Judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials because of concerns about the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. Ben Ando has more. In May, a teenage girl attempted suicide during the trial of 10 men accused of abusing her from the age of 11. During the case in Oxford, she was cross-examined over two weeks by lawyers for all the defendants. In June, the Home Affairs Committee published a report calling for improved training for judges and specialist courts for such cases. In a letter to the committee, the Lord Chief Justice Igor Judge says that a small group of judges will be nominated and given bespoke training, but he says he's against the creation of a few specialist courts because they could prove expensive to run and lead to a backlog of cases. The new governor of the Bank of England is to unveil a strategy under which he'll promise to keep interest rates at a set level until certain conditions are met. In his first monthly inflation report, Mark Carney will set out the new policy of forward guidance, which will aim to boost confidence in the economy and give banks and mortgage lenders the ability to lock in customers at lower rates for longer. A pilot escaped uninjured after a glider crashed into fields in Milton Keynes yesterday afternoon. It came down near Beethoven Close in Old Farm Park shortly after four o'clock. There are concerns that street cleaning in Luton is being cut back as the council tries to make savings. A number of people have contacted the Ian Lee show to complain that litter is being left to accumulate. It's a place that could be quite tidied up. There's a lot of rubbish around, like the town centre and all that. Chewing gum, that's one of my worst things. I absolutely hate that. People, they'll throw out their beds, they'll throw out their sofas, just put it on the front and like on the path just like here. And yeah, High Town, Park Town, Marsh Farm, basically everywhere. <laughs> Well, Ian and the team will be looking into this next. In sport, Watford beat Bristol Rovers 3-1 in the first round of the Capital One Cup last night. Stevenage are also through after beating Ipswich 2-0 and MK Dons are through after beating Northampton 2-1. But Wickham are out. They lost 2-1 to Leicester. The weather, sunny spells and the chance of a light shower. Top temperature 22 degrees Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. You done? I am done. Let's get this bad boy on the road. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six, it's Wednesday. I've had the most delightful message from my little boy on my telephone. That's why I'm looking a little bit doughy-eyed. They're off on holiday today. I'm joining them a little bit later on. And uh, he's... Oh, what a lovely message. I might just go home and listen to that all day. I won't. I'm going to go and play Xbox and watch karate films because the house is empty. You want to come? You're in. Let's do it, guys. Let's do this thing. Coming up on the show this morning... We'll be talking about... Well, I can't say what's written on my screen because it's very, very naughty. Basically, it's a busy show, let me tell you that. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. One thing I want to ask you, we're talking about internet uh, trolling and bullying and, and, and things like that. It's very fashionable at the moment. Are you or your children or your grandchildren on this Ask.fm website? This seems to be the one that, according to the Daily Mail, so it must be true, is causing a lot of the problems because you can go on there uh, and be anonymous. I've just set up an account on there, Ask.fm forward slash Ian Lee, I'm guessing. I cannot work out what the where the fun is in this website so people ask questions and you answer them that's fun is it i mean questions can be fun but uh, like do you come here often but uh, i i don't i don't get the point of the website if someone could call up and tell me what the point of that website is oh eight four five nine four double five five double five also if you've taken out a payday loan did it work for you was it good 
They do get a bad press, but but maybe, maybe they serve a purpose. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, you can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 555555. But the uh, big story of the day, local authorities in beds, hearts and bucks still have over £16 million stuck in Icelandic banks following the collapse of them in 2008. Was it really? Wow. An investigation by BBC Three Counties Radio has found that Hertfordshire County Council still has £9 million outstanding, whilst the police and crime commissioners in Bucks are owed around £2.5 When Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has uh, been looking at the figures. Paul, remind us why local authorities had so much money invested in these banks. Well, it was quite attractive, Ian. I mean, you know, interest rates of over 6.5%, you know, a supposedly fairly stable uh, economic environment, Iceland being fairly, or seemed to be, pretty risk averse uh, and and had developed this sort of savings culture of um, of banks in in the country it was seen as a pretty good place not just councils were putting their money in there individuals were putting in there and, and it, it, iceland was attractive i'm assuming because it was safe and because of high interest rates is that what what, what drove people there yeah absolutely i mean that was the that was the reason and and you know councils get money from government they get it over a period of the year they don't have or they don't i mean have to spend it at once mm. you know the minute they get it they don't just spend it sometimes it's on projects that are a little bit further in the future um certainly sometimes they get the money for you know schools and various other bits and bobs so they get it over a period of time throughout the year and they have to make sure that, that money lasts so the vast majority of councils were choosing to invest that money um in that sort of place that they were thinking it was you know pretty reliable in terms of interest rates i just looked on a very popular money expert website yesterday and uh, to get an idea of what the interest rates was a decent saving account now and you're looking at three percent so mm. you could see certainly why that was so attractive to them uh, and they thought they you know were doing all right until that money uh, sort of disappeared when those banks collapsed and at that point the uk had to bail out those banks to the tune of around 500 million pounds and um, because the money that was in iceland the money that was held in mm. iceland was actually 10 times the amount of the sort of the country's you know gdp that that money that a country can earn so its output if you like was 10 times what it could so it couldn't the the, the iceland couldn't pay off the the loans if you like they couldn't it, pay it, it off. could be suggested that by putting such huge amounts of money into these accounts that maybe the councils are being a, a, a little bit a little bit reckless a bit of gambling is that is that right is that fair well most spread their money around uh, a number of banks so they, they they try to sort of reduce the risk if you like and and that money uh, as i say was thought to be in a safe place when that collapse came uh, and and you know other banks were hit just from not forget northern rock and, and rbs and various banks like that the, the, the local authorities were hit very hard they they you know didn't realize that it was going to happen i don't think anybody saw this particular thing coming and the money was thought at the time to have been lost permanently but then there was a sort of restructuring and it was uh, it was revealed that iceland were going to pay that money back over a period of time mm. the icelandic people of course were very much opposed to that idea and, and actually in a referendum voted against that proposal but uh, the 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 sort of government there did manage to get that sort of through and, and it has been paid back over the years. Which authorities uh, were hit hardest? Well, you mentioned Hertfordshire. That mm. had £8.9 million still outstanding. It had £28 million invested. So a huge sum of money. It was one of the largest in the country, actually. Uh, Thames and uh, Valley Police's as it was at the time, the police authority now, the Police and Crime Commissioner's Office, they had around £5 million invested. Hearts uh, Police 
uh, had around uh, the same, or it was about £3 million invested as well. You look at sort of Aylesbury Vale District Council had a sort of combination of close to £3 million. Um, they've got £1.2 million outstanding. Uh, some other institutions as well, you look at Bedford College, you know, these, uh, just to give you a sort of an idea of the sort of institutions mm. we're talking about, Bedford College had £2 million. The Open University had £6.5 million. So, you know, lots of authorities, lots of institutions had it bad as well. Did anybody escape from uh, from this crash? Well, some did. I mean, some councils didn't have any money invested in them. None of the Bedfordshire councils had any money invested. Milton Keynes had around £5 million in a couple of banks, but that withdrew it six months before the collapse. Mm. So some of the uh, some of the councils that escaped there, South Bucks, Chilton District Council, they didn't have any money in. Some of the Hertfordshire District Councils didn't either. So uh, a lot of the councils have got a percentage of the money back. Will they get all of the money back? Well, it depends which bank you're with. Um, there are agreements that some of the banks will pay all of the money back, some will pay uh, a percentage, and that percentage is around 88, 89%, so that sort of 88p, 89p okay. in the pound. Um, but, but yeah, I mean... And when's that going to happen? Is, it, is there a deadline for when that money has to be paid back? Well, not really. I mean, they're saying that the, 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 the banks and the, the creditors, the, um, the actuaries, those accountants who investigate these things are, are confident that you should be seeing some sort of uh, full payment back by 2017. So, you know, this whole process will have taken a huge time, probably close to 10 years. Uh, the local government association last year said that more than half of the money had already been repaid to councils so it is happening it's just happening very slowly is there any suggestion that the councils drop the ball here and that they should have known better I don't think there is from our council's perspective because, I mean, all of the councils, as, as we said, were, were in the same boat to an extent. Some, however, were criticised um, for putting the money in the banks after some of the banks had been downgraded a little bit. So there was initial sort of downgradings and then it went down. So some councils w- weren't doing their so-called due diligence on what they, you know, where they were putting the mm. cash, basically. Um, I don't think it was, it's, it's seen as um, a failing of a council to have done this. I, obviously, it's it's inconvenient. Some of the numbers, let's just put them into context. If you look at an authority like Hertfordshire, where you've got sort of a, an annual budget of £750 million, it's a huge, a huge county. You know, uh, you could argue, well, how much is £8 million here, there? I mean, it's mm. really, it's a lot of money, and it's something that they would use to spend on, on services. But, you know, councils have a lot of money stashed away in their reserves all the time. So they have been able to smooth it out, if you like. So they won't necessarily have missed it but it obviously it's nicer to be in your bank than in someone else and very quickly have they learnt their lesson are, are, are their methods of saving their cash and investing different now yeah they have um sort of reduced the risk if you like they've spread the portfolio around so they've got more things to invest in if you like mm-hmm. um uh, and and certainly what councils are saying is that they're where in the past they might have had this discussion between a finance officer and the finance cabinet minister they might just have had a discussion about this now it's in public now it's open uh, in cabinet they're, they're having those discussions in 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 public glare so they say they're being more cautious if if anything else as a result of this sort of big crash in 2008 paul scoins thank you very much well uh, maybe some of the council shouldn't have invested in icelandic banks maybe they should have done what i Tina turner did and invested in the bank of nutbush city limits
morning in Lee, BBC Three Counties uh, Radio. The question today is, ask.fm, this website, what on earth is the point of it? I've logged on to there. You ask questions, you answer questions. What? What? Is that it? There are no pictures. There's nothing of any merit there at all, it would appear. What on earth is attracting the teenagers to use ask.fm? 08459 555. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. If you're making a journey into Northamptonshire, just to cross into Pottersbury, the A5 flooding because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley Turn. Through Ivor Heath, the A412, this is Church Road, closed off for roadworks between Thornbridge Road and Slough Road at the Five Points Roundabout. Diversion via Bangers Road North and Slough Road. And along the A412 coming up to the Five Points, there is a lane closed as well for works between Wexham Park Lane and the Five Points Roundabout. Through Bedford, Goldington Road, the A4280, temporary lights are up. This is around Brookfield Road for works for the next couple of days around there. Things looking good on the train departure boards and no problems reported on the tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.16, it's Wednesday the 7th of August. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. More than £16 million is still owed to councils and local authorities in beds, hearts and bucks, five years after the Icelandic banks collapsed. Collapsed. Specially trained judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials because of concerns over the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. In sport, Luis Suarez says Liverpool should keep their promise to let him leave the club so he can join Arsenal. Coming up, we're talking about bullying on social media. Ask.fm seems to be the uh, the main target it looks like the dullest website in the world can anybody explain to me why on earth it's so successful bbc three counties radio It was styled as the crime of the century, the equivalent of £40 million. On Thursday, it's the 50th anniversary of one of the biggest crimes we've ever seen. We drove to the next uh, stop, which was Brittigone Bridge, and there the assault took place. To mark the day, I'll be broadcasting live from where it all happened. And we'll hear from the policeman who found the hideout. It finally hit home. This was the train robber's hideout. Marking the 50th anniversary of the great train robbery Thursday afternoon from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Why? Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I watch them roll away again Yeah I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home Georgia Headed for the Frisco Bay Cause I've had Nothing to live for And look like 
like nothing's gonna come my way So I'm just gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Four five nine four double five five double five. There's not enough songs that have whistling in. You don't get enough whistling in songs these days, and that upsets me. Now, a phrase no one would have understood just a few years ago, but now you hear about hear it all the time: internet trolling. It's when several people in the uh, well, it's not just the public eye are sent threats on social media uh, sites such as Twitter and Facebook. Anybody can be. I've had it. I've had death threats. I've had uh, people wanting to do nasty things to my children. I had uh, several people after a television appearance this weekend throwing the C-bomb at me willy-nilly. Well, it can get quite serious, of course, and an inquest has been opened into the death of 14-year-old Hannah Smith. Hannah's father, David, believes she killed herself after being the victim of cyberbullying. Why do people feel able to say things on social media sites like Twitter and Facebook, which they wouldn't say face-to-face? Well, Alex Holmes from Milton Keynes runs a campaign called Anti-Bullying Ambassadors. Morning, Alex. Good morning. Are you hearing more stories about people being bullied online? I think I think sadly we are, and, and there's been a real shift because, of course, when I was at school, uh, these sort of social networks didn't exist, and they have become a, a real reality for young people well, more, and ad- adults. And uh, we're starting to hear a lot more cases where perhaps cyberspace isn't as safe as it should be. In the case of uh, Hannah Smith, you've spoken to her dad, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. I, I reached out to her dad because, uh, unfortunately, part of my job i've come across a few parents now that um have lost children due to bullying um so, so i spoke to, to uh, hannah's dad and hannah's dad is incredibly brave and and seems adamant you know and really keen um to to get the message across that actually this is a reality and that people need to know that this particular site is not safe and there are some real issues do we know exactly what Hannah was encountering online, what what abuse she was getting? It, it seemed that through the application, Hannah was receiving quite a lot of abuse, uh, quite quite uh, horrible, you know, about 
the fact that perhaps she isn't worth her, her living anymore, and some quite personal attacks. At the same time, she was receiving some compliments. You know, there's the, the internet uh, isn't necessarily a scary place, and in a way, uh, it can be positive. But the majority of the communication was, was abuse, and uh, Hannah did try and fight back, but, but it seemed that it, it was really getting her down. Uh, listen, at school, I was bullied, and I'm not proud to say it, I did a little bit of bullying. And the thing is, when it's at school, it happens at school, not to demean it at all, it happens, but once you go home, home was always perceived as the safe place. But now, the, it, this is worse, isn't it? Because this bullying continues at home, continues in your bedroom. Mm. Well, I think, you know, nowadays, particularly young people, they have the world, uh, you know, the, uh, in the palm of their hands, and it's, it's 24-7, and the internet is, is a, it's a, it's a real place, it's not a thing, and, uh, they are so connected and, and I suppose when when that is your world and when it is so public because the thing with this application is the idea is that you share it on your newsfeed so every single question the anonymous question that you get asked is public uh, and everyone learns about it you know you, and you don't necessarily have a c- control of it uh, and uh, you know, I think that that's one of the, the, the scary things because everybody knows. And and how how do you deal with that? Now, the the application we're talking about is Ask FM, and uh, yeah. uh, obviously the, the website themselves have nothing to do with the bullying. And I'm sure that they, they I'm just looking in the papers for the story of it. Uh, the, the the gentleman that run it, I'm sure, would say it's a wonderful, safe, uh, exciting place that young people can go to. And and as all these things, it's the users, not necessarily the website, that's the problem. This is flawed in as much as people can be anonymous. But also, yeah. Alex, I've just signed up to Ask FM today because I, I, I feel that, that if you're going to talk about these things, I have to have a look at it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get what, what, what's the attraction of this website? Well, you know, I, I think, think with, with a lot of um, applications, it, it tends to be a bit, bit of a trend and a bit of a craze. Um, I think when you see a lot of your friends doing it, you think, well, this is exciting. Um, and maybe it's a little bit risky because it gives people the opportunity to ask you stuff that, that perhaps you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, you know get on a normal daily basis and certainly things people wouldn't say to your face i asked the same questions some young people some of the boys in particular said actually it was great for them because it was a chance for them to be a little bit brave and say some nice stuff to, to some girls that they wouldn't say and you know they were talking about compliments and maybe if they weren't brave they would ask a girl out but i think for for the majority uh, it's something slightly different it's exciting but it does give people the opportunity to be a little bit brave and say things that they would never say to you, uh, you know, in, in real life. And, and I think that's where the dangers become because not all of us are able to deal with criticism. We can't brush everything off. And, and for some, uh, you know, it becomes a, a little bit too much and, and we don't know how to deal with that. Uh, Alex, thank you very much uh, for that. I'm, I'm looking at this Ask.fm website and I just, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not meant to get it. I'm a 40-year-old dad. Of course I'm not meant to get it. I'm not a 15-year-old schoolgirl. But um, I don't understand... People ask questions and people answer questions. Uh, uh, People are... See, people have asked... These are questions for me, are they? I don't know. I don't get it. If someone could explain Ask FM to me, 08459 455 555. (laughs) Baby's good to me, you know she's happy as can be, you know she sits 
This morning through Redbourne, it has been partly blocked both ways after a vehicle overturned at the M1 Junction 9 roundabout. And as you go across into Pottersbury, just over into Northamptonshire, the A5 partly flooded because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley Turn. Goldington Road in Bedford, temporary lights going up today around Brookfield Road for works for the next couple of days. And in Toddington, Dunstable Road has electricity work around Bradford Way. No delays on the motorways and no major problems reported on the trains or tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Coming up to 6.30, let's get the news and sport now. It's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. More than £16 million is still owed to councils and local authorities in beds, hearts and bucks five years after the collapse of the Icelandic banks. Specially trained judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials because of concerns about the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. And the new governor of the Bank of England is to unveil a strategy under which he'll promise to keep interest rates at a set level until certain conditions are met. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford beat Bristol Rovers in the first round of the Capital One Cup last night. A brace from Sean Murray and one from Gabrielle Angela saw the Hornets through by three goals to one. Manager Gianfranco Zola was pleased with the outcome. Yeah, they've done a good job, especially in the first half. Now I was pleased. Obviously, the second half, we, like we did in Birmingham, we dropped down too much and uh, we allowed them to come back too much in the game. And uh, It's understandable. There are many, many players who didn't play many games, so it's totally understandable. Stevenage also went through, causing an upset against the championship Ipswich. Goals from Philippe Moray and the, uh, penal- from the penalty spot and Jordan Burrows in the second half saw Borough through to round two. 
MK Dons will also be in the hat for the round two draw on Thursday. Carl Robinson's young side got past Northampton 2-1 at Sixfield with goals from Ben Reeves and Jason Banton in a positive night for the future of the club. It's a great building block for us as a football club to use these opportunities to play the young players and it was totally enjoyable. I think if you're a neutral here today you would have been very, very excited by what you've seen. One by the style of football, of, 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 to be fair to both teams and then obviously the pressure and the intensity of, of what a local derby and a cup competition brings as well. And League 2 Wickham Wanderers were cruelly knocked out by Championship Leicester 2-1 in the last minute of stoppage time. Joker 4 got Wickham back on level terms after David Nugent had given the Foxes the lead but a 95th minute Sean St Ledger's strike means Leicester go through. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 7 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. We're talking about bullying online. Uh, 08459 455 555. If it's happened to you or to maybe your children or your grandchildren, it's happened to me. I'm a 40-year-old man, it's happened to me. Um, but it, it, it's causing a lot of problems with young people. If you've ever used this ask.fm website, what on earth is the attraction of it? It, it looks the dullest website Ever, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And uh, if you live in uh, Luton, what do you think about? That? Have you noticed it? Get maybe getting a little bit muckier. The streets getting a little bit dirtier. We'll be telling you why after this. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? You just feel the moonshine And ain't it just like a friend of mine To hit me from behind Guess I'm gone to Carolina in my mind Karen, she's a silver sun You best walk her away and watch it shining Watch her watch the morning come a silver tear appearing now I'm crying, ain't I? Gone to Carolina in my mind There ain't no doubt in no one's mind That love's the finest thing around Whisper something soft and kind And hey babe, the sky's on fire I'm dying, ain't I? Gone to Carolina in my mind In my mind I'm gone to Carolina Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine To hit me from behind Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind The dark and silent late last night I think I might have heard the highway calling Geese in flight and dogs at bite The signs it might be omens Say I'm going, I'm going I'm gone to Carolina With a holy host of others standing around me Still I'm on the dark side of the moon And it seems like it goes on 
on like this forever You must forgive me If I'm up and gone to Carolina in my mind In my mind I'm gone to Carolina Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine To hit me from behind Cause I'm gone to Carolina In my mind Gone to Carolina In my mind And I'm gone to Carolina In my mind Gone to Carolina Hey, if you want some fun, I say fun, I'm using that term very loosely. Uh, James Taylor, who that was, is giving uh, guitar lessons online. Well, he'll teach you how to play that online. It's one of the most wonderful... It's still far too complicated for me, and I don't own a capo, but it's one of the most wonderful uh, YouTube videos I've seen in a long, long time. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. There are concerns that street cleaning in Luton is being cut back as the council tries to make yet more savings. A number of people have contacted me and this show to complain that litter is being left to accumulate. Well, what do you think? If you live in Luton, work in Luton, you, you travel there regularly, have a think. Do the streets look a little bit muckier than they did six months, a year ago? Do you think it's getting worse? Well, when people do get in touch, we like to go and uh, in- investigate them. So I sent our reporter out to do our dirty work. Sophie Solaria, no less. So I've come out onto the streets of Luton this morning to check out just how bad the mess is. I'm starting on Wellington Street and already I can see to the left-hand side before the underpass a lot of abandoned rubbish. We're talking about dirty old abandoned bottles, there's cans. To my right there's this leftover dustbin liner full to the brim of rubbish here. There's takeaway food wrappers. Cigarette stubs also line all of the streets that I can see around me. And another one of the complaints that we've had has been overgrown weeds on the pavement, of which I can confirm there are many in every single crack of the paving stone there is grass and weeds and it's starting to look a little bit like astroturf let's take a little walk under the underpass and head down towards town it's a place that could be quite tidied up there's a lot of rubbish around like the town center and all that what kind of things have you seen uh mostly bottles and that uh sandwich wrappers cigarettes and all that i reckon it could do with a good cleaner chewing gum that's one of my worst things i absolutely hate that people sticking it on the wall and all that sort of thing i think they should be fined on the spot straight away what happens when you get it on your shoe it's not good is it no no not at all you have to freeze it (laughs) (laughs) ladies i stop you here sorry to disturb your lunch break but have you noticed any rubbish around Luton? Yeah, High Town, Park Town, Marsh Farm, basically everywhere. <laughs> People they'll throw out their beds, they'll throw out their sofas, just put it on the front and like on the path, just like here. And you can have things like rubbish bags, like someone will put it in someone else's bin, and then they'll get mad, and then they'll chuck it on the like outside their house and it's when people just dump it on the street like you get fly tipping all the time around here yeah. all the time so we're not just talking about cans and litter we're talking oh, about no. bed mattresses <laughs> and blind, sofas yeah. now full-blown stuff yeah. everywhere people will do a job and they won't be able to afford the skip so then they'll sit there and they'll put it all over the place they'll put it in fields like you see um 
Wardown Park, not the actual park, closer to like the roundabout in that wooded area. They'll dump it there. They'll dump it basically anywhere they want. It's really bad. Same as um, down Lee Grove. Yeah. That that park down there gets stuff there all the time. What do you think needs to be done about that? Well, do you know what? Like a long, well, say about a year ago, I said to someone about um, doing a clean up of the river because they'll take my son down there and stuff. And they was like, "It's no point. People to ruin it straight away. People yeah. get drunk down there, do the drugs There's down there." It's not literally that you can actually do like you can you can you can you can clear up the rubbish but then the next day it's going to be there if it's not there the next day it's going to be there the next week it'll be community community doing it Mm -hmm. because the council won't pay to do it ah the big society remember that well tony and luton was one of the people who contacted the show about this issue he joins me now morning tony how long have you lived in luton hello um uh, all my life about 40 years uh, and uh, have you noticed the litter getting worse recently? Most definitely. Um, since they've made cutbacks, you can tell that the streets of Luton are very messy. Not just messy, they're also overgrown with weeds and stuff like that in the, in the roads and on the pavements. Uh, over what period would you say this has got worse? Um, the last three to four years. Right, OK. Uh, and are there areas that are worse than others, would you say? Um, definitely uh, Hightown is very poor. Uh, but where I live in Leegrave, um, it is quite poor as well because um, the, the council don't seem to come out this way that often. I guess we talk about cutbacks and everywhere these times of austerity that we're living in. I guess the council has to uh, prioritise. Would you say that keeping the streets clean is a priority, Tony? I would, yeah, because uh, Luton have this lovely little slogan where it says "Love Luton." But it seems like the council don't actually love the streets of Luton. Uh, they're just leaving them to go to rack and ruin. And therefore, if the area's messy, people just don't tend to care anymore. And then it just becomes a you know, bit of a rat race. We heard uh, some people in the, the, that Sophie was, was talking to saying that, yes, well, it's going yeah. to end up with uh, the residents doing it. Is there something in that? Should it be the, the, the responsibility of the residents to go around with black bin bags every couple of weeks and tidy up, do you think? Yes and no. If it's out your, outside your own street, uh, uh, house, like, for example, this morning I've looked out the window and there's half a dozen cans and a plastic bottle, I would go and pick them up myself mm. and put them in the recycling bin. But, you know, the council should be responsible as well. So, them and us. What's your message to the council, Tony? Um, maybe... Uh, re-employ the street cleaners that they've let go because they've done a great job when they were in uh, employment. Tony, thank you very much for getting in touch. We've had a few people who, who've got in touch about this. Uh, well, let's talk about this specifically. What do you think? Is, is your area getting worse? Is it dirtier since these cutbacks, these times of austerity were introduced? 08459 455 555. Do you think that cleaning the streets should be a priority? I would suggest yes, it should be. Of course, we should all take responsibility for our own actions, and if we see a bit of litter near our house, yeah, go and pick it up. I do that all the time. Not all the time. I don't live in a particularly messy area, but I do do it. If I'm out and about in a park and I sat down and there's some rubbish nearby, I'll pick that up. But should the council be doing more? 08459 455 555. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Ooh, ba, 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 ba. Ooh, ba, 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 ba. They took 
charge the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Joni Mitchell, you little minx, you little minx, Mitchell. I'd like to write a song about you and I living together in the 1960s and call it Our House and pretend I was Graham Nash. Uh, This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. In the the next few minutes, we'll be talking about payday loans. Payday loans, those loans where you, you phone up or you go online, you do it on an app on your phone, you go into a shop, I need 500 quid. Oh, yes, that'll be fine. 4,000% interest. Have you used them? They get a bad press. But they obviously serve a purpose, don't they? Do they deserve the bad press they've got? Like to get your stories on this, good or bad, about using payday loans. You know the terms. When you go, they're not lying to you. 08459 455 555. Payday loans, good or bad? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still problems on the A5 across into Northamptonshire around Pottersbury. Flooding because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley Turn. And in Redbourne, the A5 is partly blocked both ways as a vehicle has overturned at the M1 Junction 9 roundabout. That's for Redbourne, of course. And police are on the scene and directing traffic right now. It's an overturned vehicle on the eastern roundabout, which is partly blocked. Police and the fire brigade are there. It's affecting traffic, leaving the M1 southbound and access onto the A5183 from the roundabout. Down on the M25, anti-clockwise, it's starting to look heavy into the roadworks Waltham Abbey toward Enfield, building up past the M1 and toward Kings Langley, and starting to look slow from Maple Cross to the M40. If you're commuting by public transport, things are looking good for the trains and for the tubes to and from London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.46, it is Wednesday the 7th of August, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. More than £16 million is still owed to councils and local authorities in the three counties by Icelandic banks five years after they collapsed. Specially trained judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials because of concerns about the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. In sport, Luis Suarez says Liverpool should keep their promise to let him leave the club so he can join Arsenal. Coming up, payday loans. Have you had one? Any good or a bit of a rip-off? 
08459 455 555 647 let's get the weather now with Wendy Hurrell Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning. Some brightness for most of the three counties at the moment. A little bit of mist in a few places as well. Temperatures generally starting off at about 12 degrees this morning. There was a little bit more cloud across most uh, western parts at the moment, but we should at times have some bright or sunny spells through the rest of this morning and into the afternoon. There's a risk that one or two of the showers um, cropping up from the southeast may make it as far as us, but I think it is just a small risk. Largely, it's going to be dry today and we should get temperatures up to the low 20s and high teens at least so we're looking sort of 2021 for a spot like Luton throughout this afternoon as we go through the evening and overnight still that shower risk but mostly it's dry and with increasingly clear skies and light winds there will be a little bit more mist and fog that forms overnight tonight and for some of us it could be a bit on the chilly side in the countryside we may just slip into single figures for a time as we start the day tomorrow it will be fine and sunny after a little bit of early mist burns away and it should uh, we should keep that sunshine through most of the day although I I think it will turn more hazy as a weather front approaches from the west. A little bit warmer tomorrow, if anything, 22, 23 degrees, something like that. We start Friday with that weather front. Uh, there will be some clouds and some patchy rain as a result, but that clears through for a bright and breezy afternoon. And again, temperatures will be in the low 20s. And that's how we're starting the weekend too. Largely dry, quite calm by then. The breeze will have dropped out and pleasant enough in any sunny spells. That's how it's looking at the moment. got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at BBC. .co.uk. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Your curve of your waist Your purse 
captivating eyes. Oh yeah, the sudden way you smile. The sudden way you smile sets him in a spin. Why she's a lunatic? The sudden way you smile. He's em- he said it again. It would imply she's a. So. Imply she's a double lunatic. The sudden way you who just smiles suddenly. For goodness sakes. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Should we have a look at the front page of the newspapers? Yes, we shall. I'll tell you why because our guest has just dropped out. Let's. I've, I've lifted the curtain slightly. Um, but uh, the Independent. Oh, here we go. A first female reader for the football results. We'll ask Dealey about that when we speak to him. Page seven. Let's go there. And now over to Charlotte Green for the classified football results. A further bastion of male dominance has fallen after the BBC announced that Charlotte Green will become the first female voice to read the classified football results at at 5pm on Saturdays. The former Radio 4 presenter will replace James Alexander Gordon, 77, who announced his retirement last month following throat surgery. Green will read the results as part of Radio 5's live sports... Oh, it's only on 5 Live, so it's not proper. thought it meant on the telly. I thought it meant on the telly. That would have caused outrage, wouldn't it? No, she's not. Uh, the appointment marks a surprise comeback for Green, 57, who took voluntary redundancy. Well, uh, I bet there'll be some purists out there. I bet Dealey's one. I bet Dealey is one who will be disgusted that a woman is reading the football results. And uh, I don't like football. I do like women. I like men. I like women and men. I like people. I don't. But uh, part of me thinks this is a, this is a step too far. It's a step too far to read. Um, let's have a listen. Kelly Betts, I'm going to get you in your posh voice. I want you to do the football results, OK, Kelly Betts? So you do some football results for us now. Luton 4, Watford 1. Mm. Stanley Accrington 7, Manchester United 4. See, it doesn't sound right, does it? I thought it sounded great. No, no, no. Listen with my ears. Do okay. it again, but, but imagine you're me. OK. Manchester United 1, Arsenal Four. Doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound it right. Doesn't know I'm listening through your ears. Exactly, oh, and I that's see what you mean. I think what most people will be, most sensible people will be doing. Mm. Doesn't work, does it? No. Thank you very much indeed. That's that experiment there. What do you think? Being a little bit harsh. And yes, she did just say Stanley Accrington, who I think um, appeared in several uh, Laurel and Hardy Hardy films as the Scottish gentleman with the moustache. Went oh, oh no, that was J- James Finlayson. But never mind. This is incredible. On the front page of The Independent, uh, outcry as judge calls 13-year-old victim a sexual predator. A 13-year-old girl a sexual predator. Yeah, nice one. Equality activists have condemned a judge for letting a man who admitted having sex with a 13-year-old girl walk free on the grounds that his victim was sexually predatory. 13-year-old girl. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last night, the Attorney General, Dominic Grieve, agreed to look into the case after an outcry over the eight-month suspended jail sentence handed down to 41-year-old Neil Watson. Ah, what a world we live in, huh? The Telegraph, the Telegraph. The hills are alive with the... I've never seen The Sound of Music. Can you believe that? Never seen it? Never will. It's been long scorned as overly sweet and sentimental, but a new production of The Sound of Music is garnering five-star reviews. Well done. Love animals, hate the new Marmite TV advert. They say you either love it or hate it, and a new Marmite advert that parodies the work of animal welfare officers has had a similarly polarising effect, prompting 250 complaints. The advert features a, spoof, features a spoof rescue unit travelling between houses to recover neglected jars of Marmite. It, what? 
The Advertising Standards Authority... To, why is it in poor taste? Others thought it deeply offensive. This is the thing, all right? I'm talking to you now. People should not have the right to complain about television or radio. They shouldn't, because they don't get it. How is a Marmite advert in poor taste and deeply offensive? It trivialises the work of animal welfare charities and child protection agencies. Oh, get a life. It's a joke. It's jars of Marmite being rescued from cupboards. The Guardian. Starved to death. The polar bear. Oh, was a dead uh, polar bear on the front page. Incredible picture. US and UK pull out of Yemen. Yemen. Front page of the Times. Oh, there's another Eccleston daughter. Is there Petra Eccleston? The Formula One heiress, Petra Eccleston, fears that a sophisticated con man stole half a million pounds of jewellery. Hang on, did he steal it or not? Let's go to page five. Bogus buyer pockets half a million pounds jewellery from Petra Eccleston's Belgravia home. She'll go and buy some more. She won't notice. Uh, Ban petrol and diesel cars, say Lib Dems. What? Most types of cars... Another reason not to vote those Muppets. There's not an election coming up, is there? No, I can say that. Most types of cars will be banned from the roads by 2040 under a Liberal... Hang on a minute, was, was, uh, that's 27 years... No, don't, don't do it. Oh, for goodness sake, they're idiots. Oh, Dealey! Morning, boss. Hello, boss. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you very much indeed. Excellent. Listen, uh, I didn't realise you were there, so I've been looking at the papers and getting angry. Great review. Thank you very yeah, much indeed. I love the rant about Marmite. Yeah. I love that rant. Get it? I loved it. I don't get it. Uh, listen, yesterday uh, we were talking about eyesight tests. Yeah. We're going to have an eyes. I've lined up an eyesight test for a little bit later on. Woohoo! I am totally going to kick your butt oh, when it comes to no looking. You're not. Sorry? No, you're not. No, you're not. Just to prove it to you, yeah. right now, I'm standing about, oh, I don't know, I'd say a quarter of a mile away from my favourite curry house. I can see the sign from here. R-E-D-C-H-I-L-L-I. Red chilli. There you go. I'm miles away from that. I'm going to whip your backside later but it's on. It's your favourite curry house. No, doesn't. You see, you made my favourite curry house, but I can still read the sign. We'll find out a little bit later on who's got the best eyesight, shall we? Clearly, it's going to be me. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. A5 crosses Northamptonshire around Pottersbury, flooding a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley Turn, and problems in Redbourne. The A5 is part blocked, an overturned vehicle on the roundabout at the M1's Junction 9. Police on the scene directing traffic. It's on the eastern roundabout, and it's affecting traffic leaving the M1 southbound, plus affecting access to the A5183. Indeed, the M1 southbound is looking pretty slow from Junction 10 at Luton Airport to Ward 9 at Redbourne. M25 anti-clockwise heavy into the roadworks, Waltham Abbey to Enfield, slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross to the M40. And the A1 into London starting to look slow from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus, while trains and tubes run without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. My timing's all over the shop today, but it makes the show a little bit more exciting, a little bit dangerous, a bit of a frisson. Ever used a payday loans company? Any good or a load of old tosh? We'll find out after the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 7 o'clock.
o'clock, the headlines. Council cash in Icelandic crash. Specialists training for sex crime judges and Luton accused of putting cuts before cleanliness. BBC Three Counties Radio. Five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils and local authorities in beds, hearts and bucks. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has more. Before 2008, it's easy to see why Iceland was so attractive to councils. Interest rates of over 6%, supposedly risk-free. Millions of pounds were invested by authorities and individuals from the UK. But when the banks collapsed, little did anyone know it would take over five years to be repaid. Hearts County Council had £28 million invested. It has £8.6 million outstanding. Bucks County Council is still owed £2.6 million, with the Police and Crime Commissioner for Thames Valley being owed the same amount. Most councils are confident of recovering nearly all of the money, and at least 70% has been repaid in total. Police are appealing for help to stop a Bedford family being racially abused. The family who live in Devizes Avenue have had glue stuck into the lock of their front door and racist material posted through their letterbox. Simon Oxley has more. Bedfordshire police say this is the latest incident over the last few months targeting the couple and their three children. Literature about Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan has been put through the door along with films on DVD and VHS with themes about racism. Police say like much of Bedford this is a diverse area and there's no obvious reason why the family have been singled out and subjected to offensive and criminal behaviour. Specially trained judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials in England and Wales because of concerns about the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. However, the Lord Chief Justice has rejected calls for specialist courts to deal with sexual offences. Video has emerged of a UKIP MEP describing foreign aid as sending money to Bongo Bongo Land. In a speech to supporters in the West Midlands last month, Godfrey Bloom said foreign aid was being misused to buy designer sunglasses and apartments in Paris. Luton Borough Council are being accused of putting cuts before cleanliness. A number of people have contacted BBC Three Counties Radio with complaints about a perceived drop in the frequency of street cleaning. Tony told Ian Lee it's undermining local pride. Luton have this lovely little slogan where it says, Love Luton. But it seems like the council don't actually love the streets of Luton. Uh, they're just leaving them to go to rack and ruin. And therefore, if the area is messy, people just don't tend to care anymore. And then it just becomes a you know, bit of a rat race. In sport, Watford beat Bristol Rovers 3-1 in the first round of the Capital One Cup last night. Stevenage also threw after beating Ipswich 2-0. MK Dons also threw. Northampton were beaten 2-1. And Wickham are out after losing 2-1 to Leicester. The weather, sunny spells and the chance of a light shower with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. A video was taken of me. Um, uh, right, a video is about to be leaked on the internet. I've just been given information right. of me in a very, this is serious, of me in a very, very private moment, okay? You oh. know, sometimes there, no, no. You're S- not. No, yes. So, you know, oh. so, yeah, sometimes private moments are recorded on film, okay? Are they? D- d- they should be. Right. And I've just been given information that a, a, a private moment of my, of me has, is going to be released on the internet. Right. And this has got to stop now. <laughs> this has got to stop now. Stop having private moments. Well, stop. Stop having internet. <laughs> I've got... Uh, I have uh, a, a career and I have a family. And these... How do you get time for private moments? Yeah, well... I wish I had the time. I'm a very wealthy man and that's part of the problem. <laughs> so if any videos of private moments are leaked onto the internet, then Can you I... send them to me first? No. Mm. Very, very naughty. Very naughty. 
morning in Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Slap it. It's Wednesday. Let's slap Wednesday into Thursday, shall we? Let's murder Thursday and just go straight to Friday. Why the hell not? Because they're just abstract concepts that we've named days. That's all. That's all. Today on the programme, I'm talking about uh, um, internet trolling. There's been an inquest has been opened into the death of a 14-year-old girl named Hannah Smith. Hannah's father, David, believes she killed herself after being the victim of cyberbullying. Well, what can be done about it? And have you or your children or your grandchildren ever been the victim of it? I'll be finding out why local authorities in Beds, Hearts and Bucks still have over £16 million stuck in Icelandic banks following the collapse of them in 2008. Plus, have you noticed... Have you noticed... Have you ever noticed... Have you ever noticed... A lot more litter around Luton recently. Well, lots of you have been in touch with me and we'll be having more about that on the show later. And those payday loans, any good? Or no... Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. The best way to do this, though, is to give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Local authorities in Beds, Hearts and Bucks still have over £16 million stuck in Icelandic banks following the collapse of the banks in 2008. An investigation by BBC Three Counties Radio has found that Hertfordshire County Council still has £9 million outstanding, whilst the Police and Crime Commissioners in Bucks are owed around £2.5 Well, our political reporter Paul Scoynes has been looking at the figures. Paul, remind us why local authorities had so much money invested in Icelandic banks. Well, at the time, Ian, it was considered to be pretty attractive. I mean, you had high interest rates in some cases over six percent so if you compare that to today's prices you you know it's almost double what you could get in a, a a bank at the moment and so you know in that time that uh, uh, councils had in the sort of early 2000s up to around 2008 uh, they were putting money into various sort of icelandic investment schemes and and this isn't unusual lots of individuals were doing it too and councils have always invested money to a certain extent because they have a lot of cash uh, that doesn't necessarily need to be spent at that moment. And the best thing they considered uh, for their residents was to, to invest the money and try and get a decent return on it. So who is still owed what? Do we know? Yeah, we do. I mean, we've got um, some sort of outstanding figures that stand out, I suppose. You had £28 million invested uh, from Hertfordshire County Council. They've still got around £8.9 million outstanding. Uh, you've got uh, around £5 million from the Thames Valley uh, sort of police authority as it was but now the police and crime commissioner's office that was around five million there's around half of that still outstanding the same sort of picture in buckinghamshire uh, where you had sort of around five million pounds and around 2.6 outstanding still uh, i mean there are lots of other little smaller areas like aylesby vale where there's around 1.2 million pounds outstanding still a lot of these councils have had uh, a, a, quite a fair chunk of that money paid back around 70 percent and most councils expect to get m- most if not all of the money back some won't get 
all of them. They're kind of saying 88, 90%. 80, 90% for, for some of the accounts that they had. So Which sounds good, but when you're dealing with millions of pounds, that, that is a mm. significant shortfall, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think some councils, uh, not uh, most of the big councils, actually, they were okay because they either had them in just one of the big banks or, or they were deemed sort of priority creditors, so they get all of it back. But uh, some councils have come to arrangements with a sort of 88, 90p in a pound repayment sort of okay. thing. So they might lose 10% of the money that they had invested but if you think about it what some of the councils are telling me is well if you be pragmatic you know we'd already had a decent amount of interest at that point so it's more or less neutral in terms of what we came back with paul thank you very much as we said bucks county council is still owed about 2.6 million pounds i'm joined now by peter hardy the conservative councillor in charge of finance at bucks county council morning peter can, can you explain some people might confuse why did you have why did the council invest its money like this yes good morning ian um, I, I wasn't directly responsible at the time, but as Paul said, uh, we were looking for good returns on behalf of our, of our residents, and the Icelandic banks at that time were very attractive. Was there any indication that it, it might have been a risk? Well, at the time, and, and, and even today, we rely on ratings agencies to tell us the security of, of banks, and uh, they were all saying the Icelandic banks were secure bets. Um, now I believe the rating agencies have upped their game and uh, there's been new guidance from the, the Department for Communities and Local Government and from the um, professional accounting standards bodies and so on. So I think uh, we're all doing a better job on that. But at the time, we were, we were, we were pretty confident. How did the council find out th- 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 that something was wrong? Did, did the bank get in touch? Did they see it on the news? How does it work? I think the bank just collapsed. I, I can't actually remember the, the details of it, to, to be honest, but it was a it was big news at the time, just like Northern Rock was in this country. And two and two point six million pounds is still owed. Will yeah, you? We're very confident of getting the rest back. It'll take a little bit of time. We we expect to get it all back by two thousand and seventeen. UK local authorities and other institutions were given priority status by the Icelandic court, and so it's just really a question of time. And did losing that chunk of money, uh, for even for a short period, did that affect how the council operated? No. As Paul said, we have substantial cash surplus during the year. And, for example, at, um, at the end of March, we had £245 million bucks for residents' money invested with 29 different uh, institutions. So you know, £5 million is significant amount of money but as long as we get it back it's uh, it, it can be handled what what lessons have been learned from this peter i think the lessons are really what i said before that the sector has to up its game in terms of um looking at the security of, of all these banks and we work very hard on that you know we've made no investments in the eurozone for the last uh, 18 months for obvious reasons we concentrate on uk banks and building societies and, and money market funds and we review our strategy and um, and our investment portfolio on, on a very regular basis i have monthly meetings on it at the moment of course it's, there's a big difference because we don't really get very much returns from these investments the last year we got 0.8 percent i think paul mentioned over five percent back in 2008 well the world's changed a lot since then peter is there any uh, sort of almost uh, temptation to put it in things like premium bonds where you've got <laughs> a sort of a, a <laughs> you know a, a guaranteed <laughs> well it is a little bit isn't it <laughs> No, no, I think that would be very irresponsible. <laughs> we, we are looking for, for uh, security and liquidity first. That's our main priorities. And investment income is an important but 
particularly at the moment, it's a secondary goal because there isn't much income available to us given interest rates. Peter, thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Peter Hardy, who we've just been to, the Conservative Councillor in charge of finance at Bucks County Council. Paul Scoynes, thank you very much. You, just, just to go off on a slight tangent, if you don't mind. Go on. <clears throat> you wear glasses. I do wear glasses, yes. And you look good with glasses. You're one of those people that... Um, Oh, I've, I've, I've started the sentence. There's no... Ooh, there's no where are we going with this? There's no polite way of finishing You have to sentence. ask me out for dinner, really. Sorry? Mm-hmm. You're one of those people who looks a little um, uh, unusual... Without glasses, <coughs> don't take them off. Oh no! What? Look, at you, look at your face. What do I... Your eyes are wonky. What? One's higher than the other. Is it? No, it's just because I've got my head on a tilt. Put your head straight. All right. But your right eye is your left eye is higher than your right eye. No, that's that doesn't sound. Put right. your glass. It's true, isn't it? Put your glasses on. What's saying? Your my glasses mask my face. Yes, because of your your rim. Your rim covers the kind of evens them up. Is like, it just because I've got wonky eyebrows? Is that what you're saying? Do you pluck your eyebrows? No, but I did go... Ah, no. You know the other week when I was... I, I did a piece in Royston about their CCTV. Do you remember that? I don't... Yes. I think I did it. I might have done it for a birthday show. Oh. And the... Uh, Are you seeing I, another show behind I my back? I am seeing another show behind <laughs> <laughs> No, I went to a... Uh, I went to get my hair cut in a barber's, and it was a, a sort of Turkish barber's. Oh, yes. I went there, and they... Um, the, I had my hair cut, and um, whilst I was waiting for a guest to arrive, by the way, not just... Um, was was anyway. my licence fee paying for this haircut? In in a way, yes. But um, the... the uh, so the, the, I had the, the haircut, and then the guy said, right, do you want your eyebrows done? Uh-huh. I'd never been asked that in a barber's before. No. I went, OK, and yeah. he, he trimmed my eyebrows. Not that there was much to trim, I should say, right? <laughs> Come on, Dennis Healy. And also then he got this sort of <clears throat> flaming ball and tapped my ears. Oh, he burnt that. I, I've, yeah. I've heard of this. I've never seen it. That the, was the, the burning of the ear hair. Yeah, it was brilliant. But what did he do to your eyebrows? Because they do look sculptured. You've got what I like to call HD eyebrows. Really? Yeah, high definition. What did he do to them? Well, he just he got a comb and, uh, and he's... Zzz, razor and uh, <laughs> took a razor to it i mean it, it, to be honest it makes it sound like there was some dramatic growth there before i don't think there was it does look different because they kind of they start off bushy in the middle right. and then they thin out as they go across your that, eyes uh, of different heights i believe that's what eyebrows do generally but what the point i'm saying is hmm. um uh, how 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 blind are you sans uh, spectacles i would struggle uh, i heard justin being able to read the name of that restaurant i yes. wouldn't be able to do that i can barely you can see as a sticker for bbc yeah. introducing i know it's for bbc can you see that what can you okay how many fingers am i holding up mm, I, i'm going to say two no, you're close it's one mm. uh, okay do you, you, do you want to take part in our eye test a bit later oh, on oh yeah absolutely I, I probably do need a retest well, let, we're gonna have, Justin and I are going to have a little eye test it's become a little bit uh, competitive well there's clearly only going to be one loser in this and yep. that's me well there'll be two losers well technically yeah but there's one big loser there'll be a no there'll be one winner yeah if there's three people in a competition right, right? yeah one will be the winner the other two will be losers. One more of a loser, really, because someone's got to come last, and that will be me. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Flooding in Pottersbury this morning, the A5 Burstwater Main between Blackwell End and Puxley turn off. The A5 in Redbourne, partly blocked by an overturned vehicle 
on the eastern roundabout at the M1's Junction 9. That's causing a bit of disruption for traffic leaving the M1 at Junction 9 and it is tailing back a little on the main carriageway back toward Luton Airport at Junction 10. But also on the roundabout, it's partly blocking access to the A5183. The police are on the scene, as are the fire brigade, and the police are directing traffic. Down on the M25, anti-clockwise, slow-moving traffic from Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks section. It's also looking slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and building up from Maple Cross toward the M40. If you're driving into London, the A1 through Edgware looking slow from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus. And for the moment, no problems reported on the trains or tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.16, it's Wednesday the 7th of July, August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sorry, I'm just laughing because Paul Scoynes is having his um, wonky eyes and uh, trimmed eyebrows uh, being photographed for the website. Honestly, his left eye is higher than his right. Anyway, sorry, on to the news. Slightly more serious things. Five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils and local authorities across the three counties. Specially trained judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials in England and Wales because of concerns about the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. In sport, Luis Suarez has confirmed he wants to leave Liverpool. The strikers told two newspapers this morning, I'm 26, I need to be playing in the Champions League. Coming up, we'll be talking about online bullying and asking ask.fm. Really, what is the point of it? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Should we have a quick look at the rest of the front pages? Should we do that? Yes. Why not? Oh, no, we're going to do that. Um, now that the, the uh, instructions have been typed on the screen, I can know exactly where we're going. Thank you very much indeed. The European body responsible for promoting safe internet use say they are receiving complaints every day from teenagers, parents and teachers worried about sites like Ask.fm. It's been linked to a number of teenagers' suicides, including 14-year-old Hannah Smith, who died after being targeted by anonymous abuse. Hannah's father, David Smith, believes she killed herself after being the victim of cyberbullying. Well, Jonathan Armstrong is a technology lawyer with the firm Dwayne Morris. He's been involved in putting together the uh, Know the Net test designed to test people on their own knowledge of social media. Jonathan, we're hearing more and more about internet trolling. Uh, I've, beca- I've been a victim of it a couple of years ago. Is it getting any worse or are, we just, are the papers just jumping on it at the moment? I think there's elements of both, really. I think we're using social media more and uh, our sort of inhibitions are dropping more and as a result more people are suffering abuse you've had it i've had it um i uh, went on another bbc program and got maybe 
300 messages. My comfort was about 150 thought I was an idiot because I'd taken one position and 150 because I'd taken another. And, and I thought, broadly, these things balance out and I've got broad shoulders. The worry, of course, uh, is not that people are trolling well-known public figures and politicians and you and I who should be big enough to take it. The real worry is that uh, these people who are targeting children who, obviously, uh, who, who sometimes panic and, like in this tragic case, um, take things, um, you know, far too seriously, really. In some respects, when we go on the Internet, we should put a thick skin on because bad things do happen. It's hard to, isn't it, though? Up. It is hard to. I've had uh, some awful abuse relating to my son uh, a couple of years ago, which I found very upsetting. Uh, uh, I had I did a TV programme at the weekend where I had an argument with a big brother housemate, of all things, uh, and got, you know, got called the C-bomb several times the next day, which I kind of managed to shrug that off. It is hard, though, isn't it, to uh, for some people, if they're young or old, if they're feeling vulnerable, to shake it off and, and ignore it. Uh, that's exactly right, and as, if you feel that you can't ignore it and it's, you know, too much of a pressure for you, then there's obviously people that we can go to for help. It's not necessarily the job of the social network, mm. in my opinion, to stand there and monitor everything. You know, people were bullied at school in my day. We didn't expect the playground to step in and stop it. We expected teachers to monitor the playground yes but also if we had a problem we were told to go to the teachers that's exactly the same advice if you're a child now if you if you're bullied and you know you can speak to a teacher fine if you can't speak to a teacher then go online to a site like the samaritans that have got all sorts of different sites that you can talk to people like cyber mentors or ring the samaritans ring them for help and chat it through with them these days, the good news is that a lot of these support organisations are used to dealing with cyberbullying. And the police are more used to dealing with cyberbullying as well. You know, more than 1,700 people were charged with cyberbullying offences in, in 2012. It's tracking around about the same this year. So it's not true that the school won't be interested, that the police won't be interested, that the Samaritans won't be interested. They will go online, go to sites like Know the Net, go to uh, the Samaritans and, and get help. There are, you know, there are people there to help you. You, you mentioned Know the Net. You, you designed the Know the Net test or a part of the team. What does that involve? So it allows people, you know, teenagers, anyone, grandparents, parents, to go online and, and test themselves on what they know about social media so that they can know their own behaviours and improve them. And, you know, seven, eight, nine thousand people have been through the test and improved their behaviours as a result. You know, my daughter, for example, I wouldn't let her open a Facebook account until she'd been online, she'd sat the test, she'd got a good score. It's not only about, you know, how you will respond to threats, but also your own behaviours. You know, we've seen, for example, teenagers get into trouble for inciting riots on facebook for you know provoking well-known figures and so on so it's partly about responding to threats that you receive but also about knowing your own behaviors making sure that you're a sort of good internet citizen as well 
These, uh, there's been lots of stories in the press the last week or so of, of uh, women being abused on Twitter. And, and not to demean that in the slightest, the stuff that's been chucked at them is awful. But it isn't just women that it happens to. It does happen to grown men. So it's happened to me. Awful stuff about my boy uh, was posted on Twitter. It, surely one um, thing, if you're finding Twitter specifically such an unpleasant experience, why don't people just leave? I know people, people say, oh, well, the, the bullies have won, but if it is so horrific, if you are getting bomb threats, why not just leave Twitter? And then that, that stress is gone, isn't it? I think it is, and I think some people have left, haven't they? I, uh, um, I can recall a sort of uh, a, a well-known celebrity who made a threat to leave and people rallied round and said that they shouldn't, but people obviously do leave Twitter and some people can't face it. And I think other well-known celebrities employ almost like Twitter butlers these days <laughs> who, who remove the bad, yeah. bad comments for them. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, cynically, if you'd have watched the programme on Monday night, you'd say some celebrities don't leave because it's now earning them a good stream of money yes. uh, uh, as well. But there is always that delete option. You can delete the messages, you can remove yourself uh, from the network completely. But also, I'm, I'm a big fan, you know, with my own children, for example, of doing almost like an internet driving test. And I think the parents should do it and the children um, so that you know that if something bad happens, you know how to react. And there's lots of education out there now. There are lots of good sites giving people tips of how to stay safe online. And it only takes an hour of your time to read them. I uh, Ask FM is the, the one that a lot of uh, criticism has been levelled at recently um, because you can post on there anonymously. I've got a statement from Ask that I'll, I'll read in a bit. But I, I st- opened an account today, Jonathan. I, I didn't want to be one of those boring old farts <laughs> that talks about stuff but hasn't got a clue what it is. So I, I opened an account on there. I don't get it. I don't get it. You, you basically, you ask questions or people ask you questions. It, that's it, is it? I think that is it, and it's uh, obviously unusual in this life that something Latvian is trendy. Um, But I think, isn't it a bit like maybe when you and I were younger um, and we went to nightclubs because our friends liked them? I don't know whether you did. I certainly did. Yes. And uh, it didn't really matter, did it, that the carpets were sticky and they didn't play the type of music they like. But all our friends were Everyone there. else was there. And I think that's the same with Ask F- FM. If all your peer groups are there, you might not get it at all. Maybe all of them don't get it, because it's trendy to be there. And yeah. this move in some circles against Facebook... Then, you, then your friends are hanging out there, and you sort of you're going to be there as well. Uh, Jonathan, if people want to, to, to take this know the t- uh, net test, where do they go? Uh, easiest thing is just to type know the net in your favourite search engine, or you can go to www.bit.ly/knowout, and that should get you there. Jonathan, thank you very much. Jonathan Armstrong, technology lawyer with the firm Dwayne Morris. We have been speaking about Ask FM and they uh, sent a statement. Hannah Smith's death is a true tragedy. We would like to convey our deepest condolences to her family and friends. Ask FM actively encourages our users and their parents to report any incidences of bullying, either by using the Insight Reporting button or via our contact page. We always remove content reported to us that violates our terms of service. I would love... Listen, I know uh, there aren't that many youngsters... We might have a few young people listening. It's it's um, school holidays in it.
So, uh, but they're probably watching Why Don't You at the moment, or, or um, The Monkeys. That's, do they still show those in the summer holidays? It, c- can we get somebody under the age of 25, I consider 25 to be young, uh, to explain Ask FM to me? I don't get it. I, I've, I've opened an account, ask.fm forward slash Ian Lee. People ask questions, and you answer questions. Questions are fun, but I don't, I don't get... There are no photographs, as far as I can tell. Uh, there's no music. There's no flashing lights. It's just people asking questions. It looks very plain and very dull. Can somebody give me a call this morning and explain to me what it is and what's so attractive about it? 08459 555. I'm aware that when a lot of uh, newsy shows talk about the internet, they quite often don't have a clue what they're talking about, which is why I set up this account. So I, I wanted to have a look at it. I still don't have a clue. But I wanted to have a look at it and at least be familiar with it before going on and, and condemning it. The only thing I can condemn it for is it, it's dullness. It's very, very dull. 084. Is MySpace still popular? <laughs> no. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. As far as I know regarding Ask FM, it's purely an add on for Facebook or Twitter, so it's an add on to additional social media. And it's just the free son of being able to ask an anonymous question to someone who has no idea who you are and they will not be able to find out who you are. So I think that's what people like about it, though I don't see the point either, although I know people who use it all the time. Is this, is this Adam Glynn or Rory Kathleen-Jones, for goodness sakes? Well done, look at you, five stars. Thank you, you're very kind. Uh, the A5 in Pottersbury, flooding. Burst water main this morning between Blackwell End and the Puxley turn-off. Problems in Redbourne, the A5 partly blocked by an overturned vehicle. It's on the roundabout at the M1's Junction 9. That means trouble for traffic leaving the M1 there. It's causing delays. And it's also causing trouble for people trying to get onto the A5183 at that roundabout. The M1's looking slow southbound coming from Luton toward Redbourne as a result of these problems. M25 anti-clockwise slow Waltham Abbey to Enfield. Maple Cross to the M40. And there's already heavy traffic heading into London on the A1 through Edgware from the Apex Corner Junction down toward Mill Hill Circus. Trains and tubes, though, are running Absolutely fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 7.30, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils and local authorities across the three counties. Specially trained judges are to preside over child sex abuse trials in England and Wales because of concerns about the way vulnerable witnesses have been treated by lawyers. And police are looking for those responsible for a campaign of abuse which has seen one Bedford family barrage with racist literature and videos. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Luis Suarez has confirmed he wants to leave Liverpool. The striker has told two newspapers this morning, I am 26, I need to be playing in the Champions League. Meanwhile, last night, Watford beat Bristol Rovers in the first round of the Capital One Cup. The Hornets won 3-1, thanks to a goal from Gabriele Angela and two from Sean Murray. Stevenage also went through, causing an upset against Championship Ipswich. Goals from Philippe Murray from the penalty spot and Jordan Burrows in the second half saw Borough through to round two. Manager Graham Wesley felt his side deserved the victory and bounced back well from defeating 
the league on Saturday. Sunday, Monday, the players were terrific in their application, their attitude to their work. They took a lot on board. They want to learn. They want to succeed. Um, they're believing in the advice they're being given. And I thought tonight it was a much improved performance and that was a deserved win. MK Dons will also be in the hat for the round two draw on Thursday. Carl Robinson's young side got past Northampton 2-1 at six fields with goals from Ben Reeves and Jason Branton. And League Two Wickham Wanderers were cruelly knocked out by Championship Leicester 2-1 in the last minute of stoppage. Joe Kafour got Wickham back on level terms after David Nugent had given the Foxes the lead but a 95th minute Sean St. Ledger strike means that Leicester go through. Despite the defeat, Chairs Boys manager Gareth Ainsworth was full of praise for his side. I'm so proud of those boys tonight. We were in it right the last minute deservedly so as well I think we gave a, a premiership contending team a real scare tonight and uh, yeah, I'm sure if we can play like that throughout League 2 this season then uh, we're going to win a lot more than we lose I'm, I'm very very proud and that's your latest news and sports I'll be back with more at <coughs> 8 o'clock <coughs> <clears throat> oh, are you there? Oh, hey, sorry, have you finished? Yeah. Right, so, Charlotte Green mm-hmm. is the first female reader for the football results. Mm-hmm. Uh, a further bastion of male dominance has fallen, says The Independent, after the BBC announced that Charlotte Green, who uh, has a face like a thumb, will become the what? first... Her face looks like a thumb. That's not relevant. She's got a brilliant voice. I would have said I would have said his face looked like a thumb if a bloke had a face that looked like a thumb. Oh, fair I've just I've just You're said just po- rude, not sexist. I've just <laughs> I've just said Paul Scoins has got wonky eyes. Come oh, yeah. on. Uh, he hasn't. Oh, too late. <laughs> uh, you can do it you can do Charlotte Green, mm-hmm. can you? Mm-hmm. I'd like to I would really like to see you do Charlotte Green. East five four, four far five. That's what she sounds like. Are you doing the voice? Yeah. No, that's not bad. Do it again. East five. Different different clubs. Um, Do lots of them. Watford beat Bristol Rovers 3-4. They didn't. I can't remember what the score was, but... That, that, Do more. That, that wouldn't win either, would it? Stevenage 5, Watford 2. Hey, can you... Me, Scoinsy and um, Justin are having an eye off later on. Oh, no. I can't join in. No, I know, because you... I'm uh, like you, a mole. I know, you wear milk bottles. <gasps> I don't. <laughs> I've just read a lot of books. Is that what it was? <laughs> um, so, could you, could you, could Charlotte Green do the scores for that, please? I'm sure she could. Excellent stuff. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looks like we got ourselves a convoy. No, hang on. Looks like we've got ourselves a show, huh? Coming up later on in the show, Paul Scoynes, Justin Daly and myself will be having an eye off. We'll also be talking about payday loans. They get a, a lot of bad press, don't they? But there are people that use them and there must be people that appreciate them. Do you use payday loans? Good or bad experience? 08459 555555. Now, we have had a number of um, uh, complaints about the rubbish on the streets of Luton. Lots of people have been getting in touch with us, including Tony in Luton, who spoke to us earlier on the show. Well, Justin Dealey is out and about with another person who got in touch with us. Justin, where are you and who are you with? Yes, thank you. In lots of complaints, as you mentioned, I'm on Biscot Road in Luton. I'm with Akbar here. Akbar, when it comes to Biscot Road, not far from the town centre, just how bad is this road for litter? 
Um, very bad, uh, and the situation has got worse over uh, last year or so. I have been raising my concerns uh, for a very long time about uh, well-being of the streets and the and the and the community. Uh, we have got uh, three major problems in this area. V the first one is the litter, and just to give you a, a flavor of it, yesterday I went uh, about uh, on 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 small four roads and what I found was 34 items of waste lying on footpaths and in middle of the road ranging from broken trolleys, settees and, and uh, torn apart uh, uh, rubbish bags. Um, my second concern is, uh, is over planning of, uh, of uh, uh, food outlets in this area. The, within, within half, an hour, half a mile of uh, Biscuit Road and where we are standing in the, in, in the co-op car park, there are about 12 uh, food outlets and half of them are uh, are, are takeaways which mm. open till very late and which are feeding ground for the rats which are uh, quite co frequently found roaming in the, in the, in the car park and uh, on Biscuit Road. I have to say I've seen uh, the streets myself this morning not particularly clean. Uh, from your research again yesterday, yeah. is this situation totally unacceptable in your opinion? Well defi definitely no society and no uh, council should accept this situation where, where there are 34 uh, items of waste which are dangerous and uh, fr from uh, every angle you look at them the, 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 these pieces uh, should not be there on the road uh, and the council has a duty to keep uh, and provide a safe environment for people to live in and a clean environment to live in and uh, my uh, uh, um, uh, my call to the council would be that uh, look we need to look into this situation and there is uh, there is another problem of prostitution which has uh, filtered from from high town into Biscar Road and before it gets worse we need to take steps. Okay, thank you very much indeed for your time. I know that uh, Dave Taylor is standing by listening to that as well. And just a final point, Ian, I actually spoke to a, a street cleaner only last week. Now, what he said to me was you didn't hear this from me and of course we're not going to name this person, but what, what they did say was that the numbers of street cleaners in Loose and they're going to be reduced dramatically and he said to me this town will become a dump very soon. His words and not mine. Justin, stay there with Akbar. Give Akbar the headphones so he can have a listen. Yeah, he's we, listening in. Thank you very much. We are joined now by Councillor Dave Taylor from Luton Borough Council, the man responsible for street services. Uh, Dave, you, is this true? What we've heard from a, a, an anonymous source, the number of street cleaners is going to be reduced? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at all across all council services because of the budget problems that we have. Um, and there will be, will be some rationalisation in the way we're doing street so cleaning. What does rationalisation mean? You're, you're, what does rationalisation mean? Well, making a, making a budget saving. Getting rid of people. Uh, so we'll be doing. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. How many street cleaners have we got at the moment? We've got um, somewhere in the region of, of about uh, the, the number specifically is about forty. And and, and what, what what do you want to get that down to? Well, it's actually what we're going to do is have a, we've we've already agreed a budget reduction, which won't come into till next year. We've delayed it by a year, um, so we'll be losing roughly around ten percent. And and so, and what's the the financial budget reduction? 
the, well, o- the council's overall budget reduction um, is something like 47 million um, in the next three years. There are cutting corners, Dave, and there are uh, uh, cutting corners. Surely, we one of the priorities of a town is to keep it clean. Absolutely, but you, but you, you, you can't you can't do that at the moment. So by getting rid of people, it'll be even worse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's actually different working practices that we're going to operate. Um, we 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 didn't really want to do this, but unfortunately, that's why we've delayed it for a year. Um, and we realise that there will be particular problems. How much are you going to save? How much are you going to save by this? It's just over a hundred thousand pounds. It's not a lot, is it? No, not really. So, so, uh, so, I why mean, why are you making a cut that will only make Luton even more unattractive? Well, not necessarily more unattractive because it's, we're going to we're going to work differently. What are you going to do differently? We're going to do we're going to do it in, in in teams, smaller teams, and um, that will be more mobile. So, you, you're aware that you're you're running a, 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 a not particularly cost effective service at the moment. Well, it's a very cost-effective. Well, if you can save a hundred grand, efficient. if you can save a hundred grand and yet uh, have a better result, then that would imply what you're doing yeah, at the moment I'm is a waste of money. Will be a, I'm not saying there will be a better result. Ah, ah. Uh, you know, because there, there will be a degradation um, in street cleaning. I've no doubt about it. Well, it, it can't get worse than it is now, surely, because we've had so many complaints. We we, we had one in, and we kind of shrugged it off, and then another. We've had so many yeah. complaints, Dave, and you just have to yeah. walk around Luton. Yeah. To yep. see that it is becoming, and I love Luton, I love working here, it's a great yep. place, but it's it's becoming filthy. Yeah, I, I know there's, there's been an increase in certain areas, and that's what we'll have to look at, and we will look at, and Biscott Road was mentioned. Um, but, I mean, certain areas, like the town centre, we've got seven days a week, uh, continuous cleaning. But we will look at Biscott Road, and when I go around, you know, and I get disenchanted when I see rubbish that's been dumped of, 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 of sofas, mattresses, when we've got a free collection. I think people have to have some pride in where they live, you know, and it, it, it is, it's disparaging at times when I see it. Well, it, it, people, of course, do have a responsibility for not littering, and, and you're right that we yeah. have had reports of sofas and beds dumped there, not just cans yeah. on the floor. That's right. But, but the council, th- that doesn't detract from the council's responsibility to keep um, the, the streets of Luton clean and safe. And if there is rubbish around, if there's dog mess around, if there are sofas yeah. and, and cans and food packets, it isn't safe. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in my walkabouts, I've noticed an increase in dog fouling. Um, and it seems to happen early in the morning, late in the evenings. And, and you know, it, there's a responsibility on the dog owners to, to, to clear up. But there has been an increase lately, and we've put re- extra resources into that, you know, with a ride on scooters that go along, along the pavements. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it worries me um, that there will be an impact overall on street cleaning. But we do monitor the situation constantly. So, in summary, Dave, you, you, you've got to cut back, and yeah. the, the streets, the state of the streets, are going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've no, I've no doubt about it. Dave, say that. Let's go to Akbar, who is one of the gentlemen who brought this to our attention. Akbar, I'm afraid there's nothing that can be done. It can only get worse. 
Well, I am disappointed uh, to hear what Dave, Dave Taylor had to say. Um, but uh, what would you like to say to Dave Akbar? Well, I have known Dave for a very long time. I mean, he's an excellent person and an excellent counselor. Uh, my uh, request to him and uh, his colleagues is this: that uh, instead of wasting hundred thousand pounds uh, on on. Uh, uh, festival last year. If we if we had saved that money, that money could have been used uh, um, uh, to to keep uh, Luton Street safe and clean. Mm. And that hasn't happened. Well, let's, uh, Akbar, let's put that to Dave. He, he does make a good point, Dave. There does seem to be a, a confusion in priorities. I know that a, a lot of money is being spent on doing work to the town hall. There was, of course, the Love Luton Festival, all these other things that money yeah. is, is, is spent on. When the basics, like keeping the streets clean, are, are, are being neglected. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you're right. And, you know, just to say to the workforce... Um, you know, we do have a dedicated workforce, and some of those guys have been cleaning the streets for 20-odd years, and they do have some pride in their work. And, that, you know, obviously I do feel a little bit disenchanted um, that they may not be valued, but I certainly value them, and I meet them on a regular basis. Um, but it's something that's, unfortunately, it's a situation we're in. All local authorities are in this situation, and we do have to prioritise. And in the past, we've prioritised uh, street cleaning and refuse collection, um, and we've had a ninety percent satisfaction rate in the past. So, Dave, as a, uh, finally, as a, as a councillor representing Luton Borough Council, you're saying the streets of Luton are dirty, and they're going to get worse. Well, uh, they, they, there's been an upturn in it, and uh, you know, I, I, I can't understand the reason why. Um, when we've done a brilliant job in the past, and you, you've got to ask the people in, in Luton, you know, do you have pride in where you live? Did you dump? I mean, we, you know, we can only prosecute uh, uh, fly tippers, which we do. Um, but there again, you've got to ask people, you know, is this acceptable? And it's not. And we'll use whatever resources that we've got um, to tackle issues. But the, street, the streets in Luton are dirty and, and they're going to get worse. Well, no, no, they're not. No, no, it's not, I wouldn't say the streets in Luton are dirty. Well, but, but um, you, you wouldn't. But Akbar would, like and lots of, lots of our callers yeah. and listeners would. Yeah, he said, he said Biscot Road, and we'll pay particular attention to that, but I, can't, I, I wouldn't agree with the overall statement that all the Luton streets are dirty. No, not all of them. A, signif- a significant number are, and they're going to get worse. Yeah. OK, Dave, thank you very much indeed. We've got to end it there. It's Councillor Dave Taylor from uh, Luton Borough Council. He's the uh, uh, man responsible for street services. And um, also we spoke to Akbar there, who was one of these. It was several people who got in, ch- in touch with us. Uh, Justin? Yes, yeah, going to make one final point. Please it's, do. It's, again, something we can put to Dave at uh, a later date. He says there about having uh, the workforce have got pride. I can tell you right now, the workforce that, that I do talk to, and again, we're not going to name them, they certainly haven't got pride in their jobs. They're saying to me, with these cutbacks, Lucent is going to become a t- terrible place to live and what they're also telling me is that they're having to reapply for their jobs so we talk about this 10 percent reduction well they're all reapplying for their jobs so to work at lucenberg council from the people that i've been talking to is certainly not a great place to be right now i think dave is still there dave you still there i'm still there yeah, yeah. What, did you, can you respond to justin's point there is a lack of pride in in the uh, the work team and they'll all have to reapply for their own jobs is that right 
Yeah, that, that, that's that's right. That's right. That's part of the rationalisation. And unfortunately, there will be redundancies, but we're trying to keep those to a minimum. And the, I know quite often what happens is when people apply for their own jobs, they don't get them, and cheaper labour come in and replace them. Is that a possibility? No, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're not contra- contracting their work out. Okay. Uh, we keep it all in house. Dave, thank you very much indeed. That's Dave Taylor there and uh, Justin Dealey. Excellent point there. I'm glad we uh, we got back to him for that. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Better news for the A5 at Redbourne. It's clear now the overturned vehicle has been removed from the roundabout at the M1's Junction 9. It's still quite slow on the M1, though, with heavy traffic from Junction 11 at the A505 toward Junction 9 at Redbourne. Other end of the A5, heading up toward Northamptonshire, Pottersbury, we've got flooding at Burstwater Main between Blackwell End and Puxley. M25 anti-clockwise, heavy from the M11 in toward Enfield, so that's going Junction 27 to 25 into the roadworks. It's also slow Chorleywood to the M40, Junction 18 to 16, and heavy traffic through Edgware on the A1 southbound from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus, while trains and tubes still look good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. It's 7.47, it's Wednesday the 7th of August, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils and local authorities across the three counties. Police are looking for those responsible for a campaign of abuse, which has seen one Bedford family barraged with racist literature and videos. In sport, Luis Suarez has confirmed he wants to leave Liverpool and has accused the club of failing to honour an agreement to allow him to go. Coming up, payday loans. They get a bad press, but do they deserve it? I'd love to talk to you this morning if you've had an experience, good or bad, with them. 08459 555. But at 7.48, let's get the latest weather now with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello there. We've got a bit of mist and fog and a bit of cloud around first thing this morning, but uh, it's going to improve a little bit. We will have some bright or sunny spells as we go through the day today, but it won't be entirely clear skies, I don't think. As we go through, we'll have temperatures picking up a little bit, perhaps to a high of 20 or 21 degrees, so they're pretty average, really, for the time of year. There's a very small chance of a shower today, but largely it is going to be dry. Throughout this evening and overnight, an increasing amount of clear sky, so it will turn a little bit nippy. I think. Uh, Temperatures in urban areas something like 10 to 12 degrees but out in the countryside across the three counties we could have single figures in temperature by the early hours of the morning and again there could be one or two mist or fog patches develop here and there as well. So we start that way tomorrow. It should be fine and sunny. Again there will be a fair amount of cloud drifting around particularly as the day goes on towards the afternoon that sunshine turning more hazy but I think a little bit warmer tomorrow. We might hit 22, 23 degrees something like that. We start Friday Friday with a fair amount of cloud and some patchy rain as well. That is a weather front as it goes through. By the afternoon though it will become bright and breezy, a high of 21 degrees and this kind of average August weather really continues into Saturday. It will be calm, it will be pleasant enough in any sunny spells and largely dry with a high of 20 degrees before it turns a bit more blustery with a bigger risk of a shower on Sunday. That's how it's looking for Thank now. Thank you very much. 
Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. You just can't carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or an organisation stood up and basically smelt the coffee. Well, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Grigio goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS Show, weekdays from 9, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Now, when you hear of payday loans, we often think of people getting their hands on money they simply can't afford to pay back. Well, new research suggests that over half of customers who've used payday loan companies are happy with them. Rhiannon Thompson is from the Consumer Finance Association, which represents eight of the largest UK payday lenders. Rhiannon, do you think that payday loan lenders get a bad press? Morning, Ian. I think it's it's fair to say there's been a significant amount of coverage on the industry of late, um, and, and you'll appreciate it's a fairly young industry that's under quite a lot of scrutiny at the moment. Um, I think uh, it's fair to say as well that there's there's obviously some very good and some very bad lenders operating in the market, and the CFA members I can, who I can speak on behalf of, which is, like you say, eight of the larger lenders, but it's in fact 60% of the market are actually driving up standards. We've got a number of new kind of standards in place which are independently monitored, which are helping kind of put further protections in place for consumers. A, a significant number, I don't have the figures in front of you, but a significant number of payday loan companies have, have folded in the, the past six, 12 months. Why is that, do you think? That's correct. I think it's 15 now that the OFT are reporting that have left the market. That's... Um, well, one of the things we actually say is either shape up and meet the standards or, or ship out. That's the, that's the kind of point that we're trying to make. We want to clean up the industry. And I think what has happened over time is that people are realising that consumers need greater protections and people want to be treated fairly and have access to credit in the right way and the most responsible way. And if they can't do that, then they need to exit. And that's, what that's what's happened. Some of these interest rates, though, are huge. We hear figures of, of something like 4,000% on some loans. That, that, that's not fair, is it? I think just on that point, the, the interest rate of the 4,000% is an annual percentage rate, so it's an APR, um, which isn't obviously kind of worthwhile talking about when you're looking at a short-term loan. In fact, nobody ever pays thousands of percent in interest. It's, it's in fact about £25 on average for every £100, and I can, can confirm that the CFA members have got, uh, made a commitment to de- demonstrate the kind of true cost of the loan in pounds and pence to the customer, so they're not just baffled by percentage rates, which actually mean nothing. Well, if, OK, if I wanted to borrow 500 quid for two weeks, well, how much do I pay back? Like I said, on average, it's around about £25 per hundred, so... That's it still, it's 25%, it's, that's still significant, isn't it? It's a short-term loan, and I think the key thing to note is that it is there for a short-term purpose it's not there to service long-term debts it's to help you out if the washing machine breaks down or your daughter's car breaks down and you need to be able to help her out when she's away at university that kind of thing it's not there to be able to to pay off your longer-term debt so i mean the average loan taken out with a cfa member is around about 240 pounds are these companies just uh, exploiting the fact that uh, banks are reticent to give out loans at the moment there's a real mix of customers that come through the doors of, uh, and also use our online lenders. And I think there's not a case of, of that. It doesn't seem to be the mainstream lenders aren't lending, so people are looking to go elsewhere. There's obviously a, they have a small percentage that are doing that, but people are choosing to pay down their long-term debts. And instead of taking out a £3,000 credit card when they only need £300, say, 
they go into a short-term lender borrowing what they need when they need it instead of being trapped in that spiral of debt. It is too easy, though, isn't it? I could download an app on my f- not my phone now because I've got a rubbish old Nokia. But if I, I, I could, people could download an app uh, and get money within five ten minutes. It, it, that that's a little alarming, isn't it? With regards to that point, I think what I can say is that payday lenders operating underneath the CFA banner actually do exactly the same checks as a credit card. But or to be a able to borrow five hundred quid or a grand in fifteen minutes, it, it, I mean, that, they're not going to know. They're not going to be able to do a check on me over an app, are they? Yeah, they do exactly the same checks. They go through credit reference agencies. Exactly the same check as you would do if you were applying for a credit card or a bank loan. The difference is, is the technology that's able to be able to deliver that money to your bank account quicker. And, and it's okay. You, you think it's acceptable that people can get a loan on an app without a face-to-face or a telephone conversation in the space of five minutes? Well, it's just, like I said, it's the same as applying for a credit card. You can do that over the internet. You can do that, um, again, on an app if you needed to. And the decision is made almost instantly. It's just the fact that you get your credit card through the post rather than having the money in your bank straight away. Rhiannon, thank you very much for coming on this morning. Rhiannon Thompson from the Consumer Finance Association, which represents uh, 60% of uh, the UK payday lenders. I'm keen to get your story uh, either side of this, that payday loans have had a bad press recently, but obviously people use them and people go back and use them again and again and again. 08459 four double five five double five. Have you used a payday loan? Maybe you just needed it to top up for a bit. Maybe you got in a bit of trouble with it. I'd like to get both sides of the story on this. Uh, 08459 555555. Lots of people have been in touch with me, uh, emailing ian.lee at bbc.co.uk or calling up the station to let us know about the state of uh, Luton streets. Uh, well, Dave is in Luton. Morning, Dave. Good morning. Dave, have you noticed Luton uh, streets getting a, a bit dirtier? Oh, certainly. It's been going on for years. Um, Jonathan Vernon-Smith was doing a thing about this. Um a while back now, and um, um, I phoned in, and he he didn't like what I had to say, oh. and he put the phone down did on me. Did he really? What did you say that offended JVS so much? What I said to him was that I thought the worst, the the culture of people that, that are worse for rub for dropping their litter on the floor and 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 leaving it where it is for somebody else to pick up are Asian people, and this stacks up with. Biscuit Road, for instance, where I used to live many years ago, and it used to be a very clean street. Now that road is basically an Asian road. Now, people seem to think that dropping their litter on the floor is is okay because the council are going to send the lads around to clean it up. And it's a cultural thing, I think, and I think they need to be educated. People need to be educated because the worst areas in Luton seem to be Asian areas. I'm sorry I have to say that, but that's what I think. So white people don't drop litter? Why do they drop litter? White people don't drop litter? No, they, they do They do drop litter some, of course they do, but the worst areas that this problem seems to be in, in my opinion, are, are predominantly occupied by Asian people. But, but Dave, I, you, you can't, it's not a cultural thing for, for people to drop litter. It's not, I don't know if you've ever been to India or Pakistan, they don't drop litter there, it's not just litter everywhere. Well, from what I've, I've never been to India or Pakistan. Oh, you should go, they're both what, cracking places. Well, from what I've seen on the 
things on TV, they don't look the cleanest places either, do they? Well, no, of, of, of course they're not the cleanest places because they're, they're riddled with poverty. But I, I do think it's a little unfair to blame Asians for litter when I have seen people of all races dropping litter. It's not a cultural thing. It's a lazy, ignorant thing. And there are lazy, ignorant white people. There are lazy, ignorant black people. Uh, it, 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 it's not a cultural thing at all, Dave. Well, let, let, let me tell you, I live near Wardown Park. Right. Of a weekend, a Saturday and a Sunday, if it's nice weather, around yeah. the, the children's play area, yeah. there'll be lots of people come down, obviously. Yeah. And you'll notice, like, like I have, because I live in the area, yeah. that predominantly they're Asian people. Right, but Dave, Dave, I can see why Jonathan Vernon-Smith cut you off. I'm doing the same thing, but partly because you're out of time, partly because you're talking out your backside. It's not a cultural thing. It's not Asians that are the problem with, with litter in Luton, you fool. It's everybody does it. Everybody does it. And it's wrong. Every culture does it. White, black, Chinese, everybody does it. And it's got to stop. It's awful. Thank you, Dave. 08459 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 in Pottersbury flooding because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley turn-off. The M1 southbound still looking pretty heavy from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at Redbourne. M25 anti-clockwise heavy into the roadworks this morning from the M11 all the way through to Potters Bar, Junction 27 to 24. If you're using the anti-clockwise a bit further round, Shorleywood to the M40 there's a bit of a queue. And clockwise starting to look very slow into the roadworks with delays from Junction 22 at London Coney toward 23 at the A1M. In toward London, the A1 through Edgware, Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus, looking busy. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Of course, Akbar, who brought this story to our attention, was an Asian gentleman. So it's cultural, for goodness sakes, Dave. Go and listen to Heart for good. Oh, dearie me. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, council cash in Icelandic crash, barristers slammed for predatory teenager comments and lucky escape after Milton Keynes glider accident. BBC Three Counties Radio. Five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils across the three counties. Hertfordshire has £8.6 million outstanding, while Buckinghamshire is still owed £2.6 million. Buckinghamshire's councillor in charge of finance, Peter Hardy, is confident, though, that they will get their money back. It'll take a little bit of time. We, we expect to get it all back by 2017. UK local authorities and other institutions were given priority status by the Icelandic court, and so it's just really a question of time. The Crown Prosecution Service has criticised one of its barristers for describing a 13-year-old victim of sexual abuse as predatory and sexually experienced. The 41-year-old man who'd abused her was given a suspended prison sentence by the judge at Snaresbrook Crown Court in East London. The leniency of the punishment may be reviewed by the Attorney-General, but Alan Wardle from the NSPCC said the comments were wrong. It was completely inappropriate language and it was quite clear that in the case the predator in that case was the man who was in the dock, not a 13-year-old child and it's quite clear that a 13 year old child cannot be complicit in her own abuse and and it's good that this case has quite quickly come to public attention and has been referred to the attorney general who seems to be doing something about 
The most senior judge in England and Wales has rejected calls from MPs for specialist courts to deal with child sexual exploitation cases. Writing to the Home Affairs Select Committee, which called for the change, the Lord Chief Justice, Lord Judge, said that specialist courts would cause delays and be expensive. Footage has emerged of a senior UKIP politician saying that Britain should not send aid to what he called Bongo Bongo Land. The remark by the Yorkshire and Humber MEP Godfrey Bloom was made at a meeting last month and a video of the speech has now been passed to the Guardian newspaper. UKIP said Mr Bloom's comments were being discussed at the very highest level of the party. Luton Borough Council is determined to press on with plans to reduce the number of street cleaners it employs despite residents' complaints about the levels of dirt and rubbish. A number of people have contacted the Ian Lee Show to accuse local politicians of putting cash before cleanliness. Councillor Dave Taylor is responsible for street services. He says local people need to take more responsibility. And when I go around, you know, and I get disenchanted when I see rubbish that's been dumped of, 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 of sofas, mattresses, when we've got a free collection. I think people have to have some pride in where they live. A pilot has escaped uninjured after a glider crashed into a field in Milton Keynes yesterday afternoon. It came down near Beethoven Close in Old Farm Park just after four o'clock. In sport, Watford beat Bristol Rovers 3-1 in the first round of the Capital One Cup last night. Stephen Idger also threw after beating Ipswich 2-0. MK Dons beat Northampton 2-1 and Wickham are out after losing 2-1 to Leicester. The weather, sunny spells and a chance of a light shower with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport on online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. I was thinking of going on holiday. You want to come, Winry? I would love to come with you. I think my husband might have something to say about no, it. No, he can come as well. Fair enough. Going to go to Bongo Bongo Land. Oh, Did no. someone actually say that? Yeah. And that, that was said, what, not in 1976, but in 2013. And in front of a lot of people. Do you want to go? I don't fancy it. Can you believe someone said Bongo Bongo Land? Wow! It's 20... Let me just check the calendar. It's 2013, right? It's not 1976. Yep, a man said it in a speech to people. Incredible. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Four minutes past eight. It's Wednesday. Lots coming up on the show today, including I'm talking about internet trolling. An inquest has been opened into the death of a 14-year-old girl, Hannah Smith. Have you been the victim of internet trolling? Can anything be done about it? And what is the point of Ask.fm? It seems the most tedious website. Local authorities in beds, hearts and bucks still have over £16 million stuck in Icelandic banks following the collapse of them in 2008. Plus litter in Luton. Been contacted by lots of you. It's bad. It's going to get worse. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Local authorities in Beds, Hearts and Bucks still have over £16 million stuck in Icelandic banks following the collapse of said banks in 2008. An investigation by BBC Three Counties Radio has found that Hertfordshire County Council still has £9 million outstanding, whilst the police and crime commissioners in Bucks are owed around £2.5 million. Well, our political reporter Paul Scoynes can tell us who's been hit the worst. Who's had it bad, Paul? Well, if you, you mentioned Hertfordshire. It's £8.6 million is the amount they still have outstanding from Iceland. They invested in £28 million. They were one of the highest authorities. I think only uh, there were only several, I think there were two others that were higher than that. Kent, I think, had a, around £40 million as well. So they were they were sort of one of the biggest in the, in the region. Buckinghamshire County Council, you heard from their finance uh, chief earlier on, they had around five million pounds invested as did the police authority in the thames valley uh they've got around two and a half million pounds each to get back from the banks you had the uh, police authority in hertfordshire three million pounds you had uh, that's what they've sort of mm. invested they've got around half of that back uh you've got the yeah the same picture in lots of different councils not just councils authorities you've got you know uh, some like bedford college had two million pounds as well so a variety of different uh of organizations had invested it was this. the done thing it's not, it wasn't an unusual thing they were safe banks it was they yeah. perceived and high interest rates that's, um, absolutely it was very attractive you know six and a half percent interest rates you could see why councils were uh, were doing it and in, indeed they were encouraged to do it from from you know the, the government where are these councils and other organizations uh, now in terms of getting the money back well they've got around 70 percent of the money back uh, and and they're hoping as you heard to get uh, around a hundred percent of that back some depending on the bank you're in or you were with there's a different sort of agreement so i think one of the banks has an agreement whereby around 88 to 90 percent of the money will get paid back uh, but for most of the authorities certainly the larger authorities because they were deemed to be uh, sort of priority creditors if you like they get 100 percent of the money back but it will take time as we heard from buckinghamshire county council earlier you know that investment likely to be repaid by 2017 so in total nine years that that money effectively not been you know mm. accessible to them uh, however as as you heard uh, you may have heard if you were listening at seven the uh, the council saying you know five million pounds it's a lot of money but we were able to cover it it's you know in the mm. scheme of our budget our budget's 250 million uh, you know that's the investments they've got so you know it is a, it is a, of course you and i a huge huge sum of well. money to you, it's a huge sum of money. It's a, to me, it's a no. huge sum of money. But, um, you know, to a council where they're investing millions of pounds all the time, they're playing with big figures, yeah. it's, it's, you know, coverable. But certainly they'd rather have it than not. Paul, thank you. Alan Shipman is a lecturer in economics at the Open University. Alan, some people might be surprised that, that councils are, are, are sort of gambling with money by investing it in various things. Is it, this is common practice, is it? It has to be common practice because councils and any large organisation in the commercial sector or in the private sector um, or public sector has a lot of money which they have to keep as contingency funding. They might need it, they might need it suddenly to pay various expenses. But if it's sitting idle, they would be expected to get some return on it, provided that return is safe. And if we go back to before 2008, people did regard this sort of bank investment as safe. It was instant access and it wasn't clear at that stage that there was a particular problem with the way that Icelandic banks have been structured. It became suddenly clear during 2008. What was the problem with Icelandic banks then? 
Well, firstly, they'd expanded enormously. Uh, they'd, their assets were about 10 times the national output. Their external borrowings, which had funded their expansion, were about five times the national output. It meant that if any Icelandic bank ran into trouble, uh, it couldn't be underpinned by the central bank or by the central government even. Uh, in most countries, the bank sector is small enough that if there is a real collapse, um, the government can step in and the depositors and the creditors aren't put at risk. Iceland couldn't do that. Um, and the other problem it had was a falling exchange rate during 2008, which meant that because it had borrowed abroad from those depositors and other creditors, it was suddenly becoming very difficult to pay them back and certainly difficult to pay the interest that they'd been promised. Could anybody have seen uh, what was going to happen in Iceland? Well, actually... The British government had seen what was happening early in 2008, um, and it was aware of the problems. And it was actually negotiating with um, the Icelandic government and the banks to restructure these UK subsidiaries in a way that would mean they were fully covered by the UK deposit insurance. Uh, they weren't in time, and the collapse happened before they'd finished that negotiation. And so they ended up having to use other methods to recover these funds. When the Icelandic government took its decision, which was that it would not rescue the external assets of these banks, it would only rescue the tiny fraction of these banks that had actually taken deposits from Icelanders, and external creditors were left to wait. It has to be said, though, although that's not what governments are recommended to do, governments are, are expected to not default on their external debt and to repay the foreign depositors somehow. By taking this action, Iceland essentially rescued its economy. And because the Icelandic economy is now growing again, quite impressively, only five years after it was written off as completely bankrupt, that is why eventually the external depositors, including these councils, will be repaid. It's because that growing economy is recovering the value of the assets that these banks had. And eventually, if all goes well, those assets will be worth enough to repay the full amount. So councils will get their money back, it's just going to take a few more years? It will take a few more years for that asset price to recovery and also for Iceland's capital controls to be taken off. At present, there is actually some money available. It can't all be repaid at the present time because those capital controls are there essentially to prevent Iceland's economy from being drained of currency too fast, which would send it back into recession. So it has to be a controlled and gradual process, and that's why 2017 is now seen as the date on which these funds will become fully available. Can lessons be learnt from this, Alan? Lessons have already been learnt. People now know that uh, if a country's banking sector has grown too large, then that may be a cause for concern, because banks do run into trouble sometimes, and in the end you need a government that is big enough to underpin them. Having said that, it is selective. There are some countries, one thinks particularly of Luxembourg, which have incredibly big banking sectors compared to their GDP, but they're not considered as a risk because the type of banking is different, and particularly the way those banks are funded is different. Icelandic banks are grown rapidly by essentially borrowing large amounts abroad. That leaves them very vulnerable to any change in the perception which prevents them from borrowing more, and any change in their exchange rate, and their exchange rate does fluctuate. So they probably couldn't do that again, and Iceland is now looking for different ways to drive its growth in future, and other countries are unlikely to go down that same route. But these are all things learnt since 2008, and at the time uh, it, was, it looked safe enough for councils to be doing this.
Alan Shipman, thank you very much, lecturer in economics at the Open University. Paul Scoyne, thank you very much for explaining it in, in idiot's terms, because when it comes to things like this, I am indeed an idiot. I find these things very complicated, and you have broken it down well, for me. Well, economy, e- economics, I can't even say the word. That's, <laughs> that's, how, how, difficult that's how difficult it is. It is Listen, me. you're joining us before nine o'clock for the eye yeah, off. for this eye test off. Oh, yes. it, it, it was a story yesterday that um, break the road safety people charity yeah want um people to take eye tests every two years i think mm. well, that was a little bit patronizing and justin Daly and i got competitive we started <laughs> waggling our bits in front of each other <laughs> who's got the best eye yes exactly it's you Ian. thank you uh mine, mine is certainly the more dreamy yeah uh, we're having an eye we're, an optician is coming in before nine o'clock to test them one thing if you do take part mm. i think you should take the glasses off well okay that's really putting me at quite a disadvantage well no it's it's not because by having the glasses mm. that is technically cheating you're like um, Ben Johnson. Was it Ben Johnson who took drugs before I say Ben Johnson took drugs? He did take drugs. You're like Ben Johnson. The Lance Armstrong of glance, you're glasses. L- the, you're, the, you're the Glance Armstrong. Glance. <laughs> you're Glance Armstrong. I know who's one of your heroes. Yeah. Um, until, until, it, until the news until, broke. Until, yeah. Then he became your only hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you, you are a big, big cycling fan. You are, you, by wearing glasses, yeah. you are like uh, Glance Armstrong going in, having a blood transfusion and pumping your whole bloodstream full of goofballs. That's what you're like. So, okay. glasses off for okay. the ladies. Oh, yeah, I'm prepared to take that... Uh you know, disadvantage. Okay. Well, I'll, I will see you before nine. You may not see me. double five is the telephone number if you want to give... <laughs> I've made myself laugh there. No one else, literally just me. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 still got flooding in Pottersbury because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley turn-off. The M1 southbound looking quite slow. Heavy traffic junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at Redbourne. On the M25, anti-clockwise, it's pretty heavy going into the roadworks. It's tailing back as far as junction 27 at the M11 this morning, going through toward Potters Bar at junction 24. And there's also a queue anti-clockwise from Chorleywood to the M40. Clockwise, looking heavier than you might expect into the roadworks from junction 22 at London Coney to 23 at the A1M. And then on the A1 into London, there's heavy traffic from the Apex Corner Junction down toward Mill Hill Circus. Things on the train departure board still looking very healthy. Very few late runners and pretty much everything to time for the tubes into and out of London as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. It's coming up to 8.16. It's Wednesday the 7th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils across the three counties. The Crown Prosecution Service has criticised one of its barristers for describing a 13-year-old victim of sexual abuse as predatory and sexually experienced. In sport, Luis Suarez has asked Liverpool to honour their agreement. Basically, a millionaire has said he wants to go somewhere else and earn even more money and he's upset because his boss won't let him do it. Coming up, we'll be talking more about the litter problem in the three counties. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tony Blackburn on BBC Three Counties Radio. I'll be here all this week between 12 and 3 sitting in for Nick Coffer. 
There'll be the usual mix of local guests, advice, and of course, great music. Tony Blackburn. I want you to enjoy the music and have fun. That's what we're going to do between 12 and 3. Tony Blackburn on BBC Three Counties Radio. In fact, it'll be pop-a-doodle-tastic. Tony Blackburn is, without a shadow of a doubt, the nicest man in red. Isn't he lovely? He was sat in the office uh, yesterday like a little old gnome. He's, no, no, he's, he's shorter than you'd imagine. Four foot nine. He sat like a, uh, it was sat in there like a wise old owl. That's a slightly better. I'm still using the word old. Um, and everybody was very excited to have Tony Blackburn in the office. And it, it, he's such a nice man. And he's so good at the radio. And he was going around, there were some members of the, younger members of the team, Kelly Betts, who wanted their photo taken with Tony Blackburn. Uh, but they were a little, you were a little bit shy to, you were a bit shy, weren't you, Kelly, to ask him? Tony Blackburn. But, uh, but the thing is, he's so approachable. He's lovely. And he, I said, look, Tony, would, it, it's Kelly Betts' birthday. Would you mind having your photo taken? And he kind of, uh, he, he, he was there straight away. He was. He came over and said, I've heard it's your birthday and I'd like a photo with you. <laughs> that was cute. And then wasn't he being funny? He was very funny. <laughs> he was. He was brilliant. Tony Blackburn, filling in for Nick Coffer this week. You do not know how lucky you are. We take people like him for granted, and we shouldn't. Because, you know, he is flipping good. He is flipping good. Uh, speaking of people who are flipping good and we shouldn't take advantage <laughs> of, Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Good morning. Good morning to you. I've had tweets. Apparently, uh, apparently Tony Blackburn called me JVC yesterday. <laughs> He's not the first. He won't be the last. Bless like him. Like a well-known video recorder. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're missing. Is there is there a reason that you're not in the studios this week? Is it, have you and um, Tony Blackburn had a falling out? Is that what it's about? <laughs> yeah, I, I will not be in the same building. <laughs> Let's start that rumor. I refuse to be in the same building as Blackburn after what he did to me. Uh, he, he, he's uh, he's a lot of fun. He's not as much fun as you though, Javius. Really? Well, yeah, he's more fun, actually. But I, I want you to feel that you're loved and missed. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, are, you are loved and missed. Oh, you are a meanie. No, I know. I've been very naughty. It's nice to talk to you, though, JVS. You, you, you have got to, You're following on one of the stories that we've been doing this morning, I believe. Uh, absolutely, yes. I gather Dave Taylor from Luton Borough Council has been telling you this, the uh, town's streets in Luton are being cleaned less due to budget cuts. They're being cleaned less, and it's going to get worse. They're going to reduce the number of people working over it. And he's admitted the streets will probably get worse but changes to the service will save the council a hundred thousand pounds which is obviously quite a lot of money in these hard pressed times uh he's admitted the streets are dirty he accepts that they probably will get worse however he also argues it's down to the people of luton to take more pride in their area and keep their own streets tidy well does he make a very good point on this morning's big phone in from nine is it time we stopped expecting councils to clean up our streets oh eight four five nine four double five five double five have you ever got your broom out and swept the street outside your house? No, I haven't. I pick up litter outside my house, although I live in a very posh area now where we don't have litter. But also, um, if I'm kind of sat in a park and I can see a, a, a bottle or a packet near me, I'll pick that up and put it in the bin. I, I do it all the time. Yeah. All the time. When I walk up, the, if I happen to walk into town, I'll always make sure I pick up the litter. People think I'm a bit weird, but if we all did that, we wouldn't need the councils to go around picking up our litter, would we? Well, it's, it's a good... According to one caller we had, JVS, who, who he started off by saying, well, I came on and I spoke to Jonathan and he, uh, he cut me off. Hopefully you'll let me have your say. I thought, oh, oh OK. One gentleman thinks it's the fault of... The Asian community. What? For, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine for a minute why I cut him off. <laughs> he didn't last much longer with me. He thought it was a cultural uh, uh, thing, which obviously is, is complete and utter balderdash. Uh, but, but yes, I do see what you're saying. Of course we should be more responsible. 
But, but, council making cutbacks. There are cutbacks and there are cutbacks. And some things you can't cut back on. And I think the council do have a responsibility to keep our streets tidy. But disabled services, carers for elderly people, aren't they the important things that council well. should be spending the money on? And, and actually, if, if those of us who are able-bodied just bent over and picked up the odd bit of litter that's on our street, we could all save a lot of money and use that money for more important things. I don't want to pick up a poo. Why would you have to pick up a poo? Because there is poo everywhere. That's a good slogan. Hey, pick up a poo. Uh, but th- th- there is dog poo everywhere. That's that's one of the problems. I don't have any dog poo near me. Where on earth do you live, for goodness sake? The ghetto? Ba- I, live, I live in Battersea. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, I shall look forward to listening to you. See you later on. Thank you. Ta-ta. Call 08459 555 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's a dog's home there, you see. That was the joke. I don't live in Battersea. Now, on the subject of uh, litter, we're talking about this because lots of people have been in touch with us. It's one of those things. If you've got a story that you think we should be talking about on the show, we've had a few of these recently, uh, send me an email, ian, I-A-I-N dot L-E-E at bbc.co.uk, or you can post on the Facebook page. Um, And lots of people have got in touch about these streets in Luton, saying they are dirty and getting dirtier. Well, Luton Borough Council have admitted that cuts to services are to blame for the lack of street cleaning in the town. Earlier on this show, Councillor Dave Taylor, who's responsible for street services, services told me that the amount of rubbish on the streets will only get worse the state of the streets are going to get worse yeah absolutely yeah i've no, I've no doubt about it unfortunately that's that's the way it is how many street cleaners have we got at the moment we've got um somewhere in the region of, of about uh, the number specifically is about 40 and and, and what, what do you want to get that down to well, it's actually what we're going to do is have a, we've we've already agreed a budget reduction, which won't come into till next year. We've delayed it by a year, um, so we'll be losing roughly around ten percent. Well, that was Councillor Dave Taylor on this show earlier on, and uh, I'm guessing that quite a few of you won't be particularly happy about this. Loads of complaints, and uh, we spoke to Akbar, who says it's got worse over the last year, and he's complained so many times without seeing a difference. Yesterday, I went uh, about uh, on, on, on small four roads, and what I found was 34 items of waste lying on footpaths and in middle of the road, ranging from from broken trolleys, settees and and uh, torn apart rubbish bags. My call to the council would be that, uh, look, we need to look into this situation. Well, lots of you have called in about this. 08459 555555. Dave's in Luton. Dave, what, what do you think about this? Look, um, Ian, I clean my own path. I pick rubbish up in the road outside my house. Yeah. I'll even walk down the road and if I see a bottle... I'll pick it out and put it in the litter bin. Yes. But why is the council going around these shop fronts and McDonald's sweeping up all their rubbish with McDonald's on it or Kentucky Fried Chicken? Well, you say, you say McDonald's. I, I, I remember years ago, and I, I thought they still do, did this, McDonald's were very responsible when it came to picking up their litter, that they would make sure yeah. their shop fronts were always clear. And they would. I, I know they used to, and someone can tell me if they still do, they used to send members of their team up and down their high streets picking well, up their, their own branded litter. Well, they're not doing that now, because you go in Bramingham Road... And in the fields in Lee Gray Park, you see all these um, McDonald boxes uh, just scattered around. They're not doing it. They do their own little com- uh, car park place, but they're not doing it outside. And exactly the same as these shop fronts in Lee Grave, 
Look, all the rubbish is outside. But how? Why isn't they, why aren't they coming out and sweeping their own front instead of the, they're waiting for the council to come along to do outside their, their door, even their swing door? That I opens. don't. I don't. I've not seen. I thought most shopkeepers did keep the immediate no, vicinity clean. I'm surprised that you're saying this. No, I can. I, I'm not going to name them, but I can name Ooh. you about ten shops in Leegrave yeah. that don't clean their own shop fronts, and this is where all the ru- and then the wind comes along and blows it all down the road that other people have got to pick up. Dave, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, we, we should take more responsibility, and of course, shops should take more responsibility. But Donalds did used to do that; they would send their team out to clean up their wrappers uh, and their the, the packages from their high. Have they stopped doing that? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Ken is in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. Ken, what's your take on this? Priorities. Yes. We're going to have dirty streets, but we've got some lovely bus stops around our area. They've just spent a fortune doing bus stops. We've got lovely pink and white slabs and lovely glass shelters. And the glass shelters have been busted, I, I shouldn't imagine, half a dozen times since they've been put in. And they've only been put in a little while ago. They've got them all round by the Luton and Dunstable Hospital, up Leegrave High Street. How much did that cost them to do? And they're spending their money on that, and they're making people redundant because their priorities have changed. Should litter be a priority though, Ken? I mean, in the, if we all did a little bit more, then the council wouldn't then to need to spend then this I much money. I used to money. go over the park, walk my dog with my wife yeah. and we have a friends. We used to pick, well, I used to have a dustpan and brush in my scooter. What, in case your wife did a whoopsie? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell her that. No, don't. No, we used to pick up the glass that when kids had a, a bottle of beer yeah. and smashed it on the floor yeah. rather than and the kids used to have to walk down the path to get to school. Um, we used to pick up other people's dog poo sometimes. Oh, no, 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 that, that's a step too far. Kenneth, no, 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 I won't no. have that. That's a step too far. I'm not going to pick up someone else. I'll, listen, I'll pick up a plastic bottle or, or a wrapper, a sweetie wrapper. I'm not oh. going to pick up another dog's poo-poos. You pick up a glass bottle before it gets smashed, because you know what some idiot's going to come along and smash it in the finish, and then you'll have to get on the ground. Get on the ground, Ken. Thank you. I'm just moving on because I want to get a couple more voices in. Joyce is in Luton. Joyce? Oh, hello. Good morning. Good morning, Joyce. I nearly cut you off then, waiting too long. <laughs> oh, dear. I barely, look at you, <laughs> impatient no, no, Joyce. Okay. Yes, I quite agree. Um, I don't see my neighbours sort of taking his broom out and sweeping the fronts like we've always done, um, you know, in our kind of uh, situation, and keeping it clean. But um, Archway Road, Linden Road, and Filmer Road, the bridge there at Archway Road is very narrow, and it's very dangerous under the bridge itself and the brambles were about a metre three quarters of a metre to a metre long with no exaggeration yes plus all the other weeds that were coming along the pavement and it was so much there we could not see the new uh, litter bin oh. which was put there yes. and consequently the wind kept thrashing at her legs children's buggies you know what? dangerous yes and uh, we have to pick up the phone 
and tell them this is the thing you've got to pick up a phone and ask to speak to the boss go out, you know? go out there with, with some shears Joyce no, no, do it no, yourself no, no, no. we pay our rates and yes. we've done it all the years but this is this is the is this not the problem Joyce we pay out we pay our rates we don't we pay our council tax now but right. but we're just waiting for other people to do things for us when it would take you 20 minutes to go out there with a, with, with a shears black bag uh, and, and, and sort it out yourself yeah no not when it's not in my street my street yes we do it. We do everything we can. The, the grass is actually about a foot and a half along the, um, the hedges where the pavements finish and your fence begins. All the way down the street, we clean our street, pick the bits up and everything. But Archway Bridge was a danger, not an eyesight. And people should have been aware of that, the council, because if that had blinded the children yes. and got thorns in them, no, we, we shouldn't have to tell them. There should be a bit of a regular check-up. OK, we, uh, we, we certainly don't want thorns to blind little children. Uh, Maggie in Luton has a, a controversial opinion. She wants uh, the people on community service in the Dole to clean up the litter. Oh, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 in Pottersbury, they're still flooding because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley Turn. Things looking pretty good on the A1 by and large. There's a little queue, though, coming from Eaton Soak and toward the Black Cat roundabout. A wee bit busy on the A1M past Stevenage, and then it does slow into London as you get down through toward Edgware. Taking a look at the A5 past Dunstable, and that's not looking too bad, actually. The M1 is still a bit busy, though, from Junction 11 at the A505 toward Junction 9 at Redbourne. Better than it was earlier, but still a little slow. If you're joining the M25, anti-clockwise heavy traffic from back at Waltham Abbey, Junction 26 toward Potter's Bar at Junction 24 through the roadworks. It's also quite slow then coming toward London Coney, and it's definitely slow clockwise past London Coney at Junction 22 toward 23 at the A1M going into the other side of the roadworks. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. It's 8.30 coming up before 9 o'clock. The eye off. Justin, myself and Paul Scoynes will be having an eye test challenge to see who has the best eyesight. But before that, let's get the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8.30. The headlines, five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils and police authorities across the three counties. The Crown Prosecution Service has criticised one of its barristers for describing a 13-year-old victim of sexual abuse as predatory and sexually experienced. And footage has emerged of a senior UKIP politician saying that Britain should not send aid to what he called Bongo Bongo Land. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford beat Bristol Rovers in the first round of the Capital One Cup last night. A brace from Sean Murray and one from Gabriele Angela saw the Hornets through by three goals to one. Manager Gianfranco Zola was pleased with the outcome. Yeah, they've done a good job, especially in the first half. No, I was pleased. Obviously, the second half, we, like we did in Birmingham, we dropped down too much and uh, we allowed them to come back too much in the game. And uh, It's understandable. There are many, many players who didn't play many games, so it's totally understandable. Stevenage also went through, causing an upset against Championship Ipswich. Goals from Philippe Murray from the penalty spot and Jordan Burrows in the second half saw Borough through to round two. MK Dons will also be in the hat for the round two draw on Thursday. Carl Robinson's young side got past Northampton 2-1 at six fields with goals from Ben Reeves and Jason Banton in a positive night for the future of the club. It's a great building block for us as a football club to use these opportunities to play the young players and it was totally enjoyable. I think if you're a neutral here today, you would have been very, very excited about what you've seen. One by the start 
style and football of, of, of to be fair to both teams and then obviously the pressure and the intensity of, of what a local derby and a cup competition brings as well. Not so good for League 2 Wickham Wanderers. They were cruelly knocked out by Championship Leicester 2-1 in the last minute of stoppage. Joe Gafford got Wickham back on level terms after David Nugent had given the Foxes the lead but a 95th minute Sean St Ledger strike means that Leicester go through. And that's your latest news in sport. I'll be back with more at 9 o'clock. We are going to look pretty stupid, aren't we, Catherine, if it turns out we have actually been sending millions in pounds in aid to a place called Bongo Bongo, Bongo, Bongo Land. Land. Yeah. Have you checked on a map? Um, I've been... Um, no, I haven't. I should, shouldn't I, go really, and, before go I start and, spouting. Go and get an atlas. Let's just make sure that we're not the ones with egg on our face, OK? OK. Thank you. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up soon, it's an eye off. Paul Scoynes, myself, and uh, Justin Dealey will be having an eye test to see who has conclusively the best eyesight. I can't believe we're getting competitive over eyesight. I can't believe it. Paul, are you, uh, Paul's, uh, Paul, are you doing yours? You're doing your. Uh, you're doing your eye test now, are you? Yeah. Or are you, are you my practicing? Tested to see what the actual prescription is. Oh, for goodness' sake! You're not not allowed to use the glasses in the eye test, okay? That sort. I, I maintain this will put me at a distinct disadvantage. Correct. That's all happening before nine o'clock this morning. Uh, 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. Well, happy Black Wednesday. What does that mean? Well, Black Wednesday is the first Wednesday in August that traditionally sees thousands of junior doctors start their jobs at hospitals across the country. It's called this, or indeed the killing season, wow, because of the rise in deaths. Well, at Bedfordshire Hospital, junior doctors were removed from children's services because they were not being supervised properly. And a recent survey found over 70% of doctors in their second year say they don't have enough time to give patients uh, time uh, to give patients the time they require. Well, Dr. Carol Gray is from Keele University School of Medicine. Good morning, uh, uh, Carol. The, the, this phrase, Black Wednesday, it sounds scary. Should people be worried if they're going into hospital for, for treatment today? Good morning, Ian. Uh, it's a wonderful phrase, isn't it? But no, I don't think that they should be. Our training is so much improved these days, and making sure that junior doctors are supervised is a very high priority in, in early August. So th- there is no statistical evidence to, to, to prove that the number of fatalities increases on this particular day? Uh, I think this day is particularly safe. Everyone's aware that these are new junior doctors, highly trained, but of course are actually in their first day in the job. And so tradition, and certainly over the last few years, you'll find that senior staff are around in very large numbers to make sure that everything goes smoothly. How hard is it being a junior doctor? Um... I think any new job is extremely difficult. Um, Everybody knows that uh, the medical profession comes with a a number of challenges, but they're very, very well prepared. They've had five years of training, and the last year of training, their fifth year, is now very, very much focused towards being an apprenticeship for the job. So they're well prepared for it. They will, of course, be tired and excited and perhaps a little nervous today, but I'm sure they're all going to do extremely well. In our uh, area, in the three counties, a hospital had to withdraw junior doctors because the, the junior doctors felt they weren't being supervised properly. Have you come across this before? Um, I think that was possibly the case a very long time ago when I was a junior doctor myself. Mm. However, we've had um, recently the General Medical Council have surveyed our doctors who have graduated from Keele and everybody has commented on how well prepared they felt for the job. So just in conclusion, uh, uh, doctor, if people are going in for an operation or mum's going in to get something done today, don't panic. 
don't panic at all they'll be absolutely safe and they'll have some very very enthusiastic very nice young junior doctors waiting to help look after them as part of the team excellent stuff that's what we want to hear that's dr carol gray from keel university school of medicine Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we've been talking about litter this morning. Lots of people have been in touch over the past week or so saying, hey, have you noticed the litter in Luton is getting worse? 08459 455 555. We spoke to a councillor who told us uh, that, yeah, well, you know, some parts of Luton, they're not brilliant, and there's going to be huge cutbacks over the next year, and it's probably going to get worse. Trying to save £100,000. Should we be making cuts like that? Some things you can cut, some things perhaps you shouldn't. Eamon's in Luton. Good morning, Eamon. Good morning, sir. The, the council want to save a hundred grand by cutting the litter services. Is that a, a wise move? Um, it's all right trying to save money, but not where it can um, cause major pollution and um, rat infestations and stuff like that. Uh, if the council drop all the charges for when you go to the tip, if you've got anything larger than a car, they look to charge you loads of money i mean I, I just don't understand that it's rubbish it should be sort of like free to get rid of it's literally rubbish this is the thing if, if you've got a, a, a but it's only if you've got a marked van i thought that they charged you no they charge you almost any time even, even if it's a it's a marked van if you've got a van that says um joe blogs engineering um and you're taking a bed up there what's that's just you getting rid of a bed or a, or a, um a washing machine or something like that how much does you know? that cost then to, to get rid of a bed or a washing machine at a tip i think it depends on the guy on the gate whatever he decides he wants to pocket i think right. <laughs> but because um, we, we there we are hearing incidences of, of fly tipping in the town uh, but what about the smaller litter as well people dropping crisp packets and, and bottles and you see people chucking stuff on the floor all the time shouldn't we yeah. have more of a, a social responsibility about <clears throat> things like this yeah, I think that comes down a lot to um, people's values. Um, you, when, when I grew up in this town, if I was seen dropping a, a, a piece of paper or spitting bubblegum out on a path and stuff like that, um, my neighbours would give me a clip round the ear, if you like. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when my mum and dad found out, then we'd be chastised for it as well from them. But it's just people's values. It's all changed. Um, people don't care about Luton anymore. Uh, thank you very much for that, Eamon. Let's go to uh, Danny in Luton. Uh, morning, Danny. Morning, Ian. Da- what do you reckon about this? Um, well, I've got to say, the council does a very good job in Wardown Park. Every morning they're out there at six o'clock cleaning it up. But they wouldn't have to clean it up if people actually took the rubbish home, like they're supposed to. You know, my parents always told me that, you know, taking rubbish home. And, you know, even after events in Luton that happen at Wardown Park, they end up, you know, throwing litter in people's gardens and end up being all over the place. So cutting down the services could be bad, but, you know, if actually people did take responsibility and take that litter home, maybe we wouldn't need uh, to depend so heavily on the council to do it. Uh, so the responsibility should be more on us, should it, the, the public, to, to clear up stuff? Yeah, just, you know, put it in your bag when you finish with it and take it home. Like, you know, you've got a bin at home. You shouldn't have to rely on just throwing it on the floor and waiting for someone else. You know, people also turn around and say, well, oh, that helps employ people. But I think that's just a lame excuse. 
<laughs> Danny, thank you very much uh, indeed. Just just to say that the, the test, the studio is being set up for the uh, forthcoming eye test. Just to make sure it's fair, I'm going to ask that the that, that eye chart is, is not displayed at the moment, so there's no chance of cheating, if that's all right. We'll hang it up in a little bit, but I don't want... Uh, Justin Dealey, I don't know what that gesture means. I think it's quite rude. I don't want myself or Paul or, or Justin to look at it just yet. I want this to be completely fair. This is going to be very, very scientific and also very exciting. Uh, on the subject of pay... Well, I say excited... On the subject of payday loans, um, Michael's in Bedford. Michael, have you ever taken out a payday loan? Uh, no, I have not. Well, what's your, your you know about them though? Do you? I do because basically you take that one company that's um, always on the TV doing their adverts. Yes. Um, in England, they can charge five thousand percent APR. Yep. Anywhere else in the world where they have offices and they do that, they can only charge fifty nine percent. Oh well, how uh, how is it more regulated elsewhere? Well, England is the one of the last countries in the world where basically you've got legalized loan sharking. Because in Canada, for instance, they have their main offices in uh, British Columbia, but they lend money all over the uh, all over the country. If they charge sixty percent, then legally you do not have to pay the loan back, and they would go to jail. So, well, that sounds like a. a, a, a it doesn't make that much sense for the companies to get involved there. Surely if we well, got rid of... Well, see, they don't borrow their money. Like, when they borrow yeah. money from the bank or whoever, like, even from the Church of England, when they were getting their money from, they're not paying 5,000% for their money. They're getting it on a real APR. They're probably borrowing their money for around 4%. And they're charging the customers 5,000%. So that other woman you had on the phone earlier on this morning, yeah. she was saying, oh, it's only 25% or, you know, 25 pounds per 100. Mm. So I'm going I'm to ask you a question. If I lent you £100 yes. for one year, yes. and I charged you £14 in interest, yes. what is the APR on that? Uh, uh, I, I, I would say 14%. 29.95. What? It's 29.95, because every month you're making a monthly payment, so the principal balance is coming down. Uh. So every other country that has payday loans... To give you an example, like Australia, yes. uh, anywhere in the United States, anywhere in Canada, if they charge any more than 60%, it's illegal. Because they're not, they're not borrowing that money for those high interest rates, and they're taking advantage of people who need money quickly. Okay. How do you know so much about this, Michael? Well, I've always been, in, uh, years ago, I was always in uh, finance. Right. And uh, basically, England is one of the last countries in the world that still uses a flat rate of interest. Michael, thank you very much uh, indeed. On the subject, uh, lots of text coming in. Let's read some of these, shall we? On the subject of cleaning the streets, Bill and Milton Keynes says, I agree, we, the public, should not litter. However, we pay council tax for basic services. The first thing to be cut when things get financially tough should be the fripperies like councillor junkets and conventions. Pat says councils are paid by us to keep our streets clean. And another Pat says Luton Borough Council can clean up Luton if there was a will to do so. Start with the temporary shop fronts that consist of tatty wood or rusty frames covering bread trays left to the rats overnight to crawl all over. These shopkeepers should be ashamed alongside a council that allows it to continue. Start sorting these businesses out, including the dirty fronted car repair outlets in Lee Grave Road. What do you think? 08459 455 555. JVS will be continuing uh, this conversation after nine o'clock as well. The Luton, we've had lots of calls saying Luton is dirty. It's getting dirtier. And uh, with cuts being proposed or definitely being made to the cleaning services, um, it can only get worse. Surely? Surely? You can have your say as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Some of you have been having your say uh, about payday loans on uh, Facebook. Let me just uh, see if I can get those up here on the computer. Uh, Kevin says ban all of the companies. 
And Michael says, no real regulation, so they can mug people who are desperate for money. So glad I've no need to even consider using... Well, are they that bad, though, really? They obviously, they obviously work. People need them. 08459 Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still problems with flooding. A burst water main in Pottersbury along the A5 between Blackwell End and the Puxley Turn. The M1 southbound continues to look a bit slow from the A505 toward Junction 9 at Redbourne. Taking a look at the speed sensors and we've got some short delays on the A1 as you come down from Eaton Soak into the Black Cat Roundabout through Stevenage, past Stevenage on the A1M and then into London as you go through Edgware. A little bit busy on the A414 in London Coney coming up to the A1081 at the London Coney Roundabout. In Luton, things looking a little bit busy but not too bad on the A505. Things looking pretty decent on the A5 through Dunstable. It's looking a little slow from Amersham down toward Beaconsfield on the A355, the Amersham Road. On the M25, anti-clockwise, heavy traffic, Waltham Abbey to Potter's Bar into the roadworks, slow then from Chorleywood to the M40, and clockwise busy into the roadworks from London Coney towards the A1M. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 45. It's uh, Wednesday the 7th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Five years after the collapse of Iceland's banks, they still owe more than £16 million to councils and local authorities across the three counties. Police are looking for those responsible for a campaign of abuse, which has seen one Bedford family barrage with racist literature and videos. In sport, Luis Suarez has confirmed he wants to leave Liverpool and has accused the club of failing to honour an agreement. Coming up... We're having an eye off live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Beds, hearts, and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. I do apologise, Wendy. I got so excited, I pressed the out <laughs> music. I was, that's how excited I am. We'll, we'll, we'll have to do it Acapulco, I'm afraid. You're, I mean, you're, you, this is the second time Sorry? you've usurped me. You well, tried to usurp yeah. me last week as well. Yes, now, now, yeah. d- don't take it personally, but... Well, m- maybe I mean, you, the girl's going to, you know, I've got feelings. Maybe you have a few mm-hmm. issues you should... Uh, no, listen, Wendy, we love you. You are our favourite, <laughs> you're in our top ten favourite weather presenters. <laughs> don't tell, don't say that live on air. No, I'd, um, I'd, I'd say it to Rosini's yeah. face. Anyway, go on, away you go. <laughs> OK, here we are then. We have a real mixture today. We've got um, some cloud drifting around at the moment. We've got some brightness coming through that. Temperatures are like this afternoon to get to around 20 or 21 degrees so it'll feel pleasant enough and the winds won't be too strong either there's a very small chance of catching a shower here and there but i think mostly it's going to be a dry day as well so a perfectly average august day nothing too much to worry about as we go through the evening and overnight the skies will be trying to clear and much like last night there will be some mist or fog forming in a few places out in the countryside and there might be a bit of a nip in the air actually temperatures i think 10 to 12 degrees in urban areas but out in the countryside it may feel a little more cool than that. So we start the day tomorrow, perhaps with a bit of mist and fog. Generally fine conditions as we go through the day, though I think any sunshine will turn more hazy as we go through the day because the weather front is approaching from the west and that's going to be with us early on Friday. Um, temperatures tomorrow actually may be a little bit higher than today, 22 or 23 degrees Celsius. And then for Friday we have that weak weather front with the cloud, with the patchy rain. Once that clears through it'll be bright and breezy for the afternoon and temperatures again in the low 20s. As for the weekend, Saturday looking slightly better than Sunday. There will be sunny and calm conditions on and off through Saturday with a high of 20 degrees Celsius and on Sunday turning a little more blustery with the risk of a shower here and there. So that's how it's looking. I really miss the music though. (laughs) 
on BBC Two. I really need a volunteer for two minutes just to show you how quick and easy it is. When you said two minutes, how many minutes do you actually mean? Every second counts when you're pitching to the dragons. I think it's a genius idea. It's complete and utter rubbish. How much profit would that make you in a month? That will make me... Have to forgive me, maths wasn't my strong point at school. You have got a moment here to convince us to hand your cash over. Could you hurry up? Leave him alone. What's the matter with you? Under pressure. Brand new Dragon's Den. Could you serve it now? Have some patience. Under pressure. Sunday night at eight on BBC Two and BBC Two HD. Now, uh, we spoke yesterday uh, about people having their eyes tested every two years. It, was, uh, uh, it, it got us all a little bit compared. Don't look at the eye chart, Justin Daly. Do not look at the eye chart, for what? goodness sake. No. Uh, it's got us a little bit competitive here. So Justin Daly, myself, and our blind political correspondent, Paul Scoynes, <laughs> have uh, decided to have what I like to call an eye off. Now, to put this to the test, we are joined by a professional. We're joined by uh, Christine Messiter. Optro- optometrist or optician, what's the difference? Optometrist is what I am. What, what's What's the difference? Optician is just a general term, oh. so it could be a dispensing optician, a contact lens optician, okay. plain optician, but we are optometrists. We're how, qualified. How, oh, oh, I see, yes. That's, <laughs> how often should we be getting our eyes tested? As an adult, every two years, until you're 70, and then you're invited to come every year, and children, every year, until they leave school. Every two... I, I should just say, of course, Christine Mester, uh, Alders Opticians in Harpenden, you've been practising for the last uh, ten years. Every two years seems a little excessive to me. Well, no, it's not really, because we're not just checking whether or not you need to wear glasses, but mainly what the health of your eye is like. You know, whether you have any pathology, mm-hmm. um, and, and then we can advise you and know what to do about it. There used to be a stigma around glasses, I think partly because of the NHS glasses, although they've got kind of a As cool... Children, sh- yes, yes, they've got a cool chic now. Th- th- that stigma about glasses has, has pretty much gone, isn't it? No, they're quite a fashion accessory yeah. now, I think. Children love wearing them. I kind of hope that one of my boys has to wear glasses, just so he looks... Not because I want him to have bad eyes, because I think he would look cool. cute. Yes. Yeah, I think he'd look cute. <laughs> now, listen, what, what, we've got, what tests have we got lined up for us today? How are we going to do well, this? Well, we have a sight chart, uh, test chart... Which Justin Dealey has been trying to sneak yes, a look uh, at the whole uh, time. At the other end of the room here, and uh, I, next, standing next to Paul here, who yes. wears glasses. Yes. Now, Paul, um, stand back here, please, and tell me, how far down can you see here? Um, OK, I can see the... I can make out... A letter, I think, on the fourth row. Which is? A. Yes. It's useless. But nothing more. <laughs> yeah, but that's... With, but with... He's putting ah. on... Ah. Glasses on oh, now. Right. Okay. Now he doesn't look creepy at look, all. He looks like something out of a clockwork orange. Look at him. <laughs> now can you read the bottom line? A-U-T-H-Y-M... XV. Very good. So but that's cheating having glass those glasses on, isn't it? Would that count as cheating? No, no. No. No, he needs he needs them. He's oh. short sighted. Yes. Can, can you buy glasses that look like that? <laughs> you can, they're extremely expensive. <laughs> so okay, so he needs those glasses, but someone with, with uh, is there such a thing as thirty thirty vision? There is, but but the Americans call it twenty twenty, oh. and we call it six six. Okay, and that is the last line, but one here. Okay, well, so d- you want to see if Justin, would you like yeah, to yeah, okay. take the challenge without is any? This where, is this where I thrash you? D- d- for goodness' sakes, go without any. Uh, uh, Paul's going up, bless him. He looks like he's won a competition to come to a radio studio. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're joined by um, uh, our uh, uh, Charlotte Green, who, who will be doing the scores here. Hello, Ian. Hello, Charlotte. Now uh, J- Justin Daly is just assuming his. Position. I don't know how you're going to keep scores on this, but uh, that's that's your job. Justin Daly? Hello. Hello there. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about this, Christine. So, Christine, what do you want Justin to do? 
Well, how far down can you see on this chart? I can see all the way to the bottom. What does the last line say then? Uh, A-U-T-H-Y-M-X-V. Oh. Excellent. Thank so you very much indeed. Excellent vision. Yes, thank you. 2020? Glasses. Better than 2020. That was 2015. Mm, there you go. Just saying it. Just right. saying it. Okay, can I have a go then and beat Me? him? Okay, right, then. fine, thank you. What, what's the score, Charlotte? Justin Dealey won Paul's coins. Neil. She's... Hang on a minute, she's changed the sign. That's a backwards sign. Okay, I can do it backwards. This is how good I am. Oh, I can do that one there, the one you're pointing to. T L O N O E H D. Just one wrong? No, I didn't. Yeah. What about this line? I didn't get one wrong. I know it. No, hang on a minute. T. But bearing in mind these are back to front, which nobody else had. T L C. T L O. T L C. E. O. C. 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 But that's backwards. What about the last line? Okay. O. D. We'll come back to the third one in a second. <laughs> I think it's an E. O. D. E. O. L. H. A. Dum 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 dum. It's one of two letters. I'm gonna go for V. It was a V. No, it was a U. Justin oh. Dealey won. Ian Lee. No, Neil. no. Hang on one second. Though. No, but that's excellent too. That, that's that's as good that's as good as as Justin here. The, but the thing is, why uh, I'm confused ever so slightly. Why was his facing forward and mine was backwards? Well, because sometimes we have a mirror, and so the letters would had we been using a mirror, you would see them the right way round. Can, can you can we go, Justin? Hang on a second. No, you're not, Justin. No, you come okay, and say it. Can I go? I'll, I'll, I'll hold that point. Point. Can, can I go? Up? Can I go? No, I, I'll hold it up. Don't worry. Thank you. I want you to do it. Um, oh, he gets like this. He gets very jealous. Do Does he? Yeah, oh dear. Possessive as well. Okay, the bottom backwards. That would be. Uh, o G E L M A U. You got loads of them wrong. They were all correct. They were all correct, I weren't they? They were all correct. No, thank you. He said O G. It's a D. He missed out the E. He, he, he put an M in there somewhere. It's no, no, no. I think I got them all right. I think you're making this up. I think you got them all right. Yeah, too. He did. I think he's seeing things. He's seeing things. He didn't. He is. Yes, he is. He's seeing things. There's no M on there. Justin Dealey won the rest of the world. Can I go now? There's no M on there. Hello, bad boy. (laughs) Do you ever get people coming in and being competitive at eye tests? Yes, I do, actually. Really? Yes, yes, yes. I thought it was just us being boyish and silly, but people come and do it. No, people really want to to get the letters right. And I'm with children, I hope they're always like that, because then my life is made easier than that. I always worry when I have an eye test that... um, I'm going because I have worn glasses in the past. I don't wear them now because I got better. But I, I, I do worry that, that I'm going to get an answer wrong when they put the. You know when they put the lens in? Can you see better now? Sometimes it's hard to tell. So I'm worried I'm going to say the wrong thing and then I get the wrong glasses. Yes, that's true. But but I try to reassure patients that they should just tell me what they see and that I'm always double checking. Okay. We can always go over it again. And what's that? I, I, what's that test where you get they blow on your eye? That's checking the pressure inside your eyes, yes. because if the pressure is too high, it may be that you have ocular hypertension or you have perhaps the beginnings of glaucoma. And we, it's, a, it's a condition that we can spot before you notice any change to your vision. And that's why you should come for a regular eye examination. They are quite fun. Bye, Justin. Bye. Bye, Charlotte. They are quite fun eye tests, aren't they? I quite enjoy them. Yes, they are. Yes, and children love them too. Yes. My favourite eye test. Paul, you can take that off now. 
Sorry? I can't. Okay. <laughs> you got stuck on your head. I think Dealey's run off with your glasses. There we go. Oh, speak. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> hang on a second. Tony Blackburn's here. The wise old gnome. Paul, can you hold that chart up? We want to test Blackburn's eyes. Right. Come and stand up against the wall. Tony, Tony, this is with Christine, who is our uh, optometrist of the day. With or with glasses? Let's, 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 let's try it without glasses right. first. Mm, let's. Okay. We did that, that one there. How far can you read that? A-X-O-T-V-H-U-A-X-H-T-O-V. X A U M T T no Y V No it isn't. No, I've done that one. Yeah. V. I've done that one. I'm ahead of you. X A U M T Right? V H A I X U T Y. Isn't it? It's a Y, but you're doing it. It's a Y, okay. A U T H T M X why? It's it's pretty. He's got a couple on, that's but that's good. that's good. That's good. He's well, not got his, he? he's not got his glasses on. That's very good. Yes, I can't do it with my glasses on. <laughs> what do you what, what do you wear your glasses for then? Is, it, is that just Reading. to attract the chicks? Reading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a wise old gnome, as you described me, you've got. You weren't supposed to be listening to that. I've just noticed something as well. The letters on the bottom line that I read are smaller than the letters on the bottom line that Daily read. Oh, uh, yes, you're right. Have I been stitched up here? <laughs> Daily! <laughs> oh, Daily, you're such a dodgepot. Well, listen, Christine, thank you so much for coming in. You've been a very good sport. And uh, just to, to reiterate, people should be getting their eyes tested regularly, shouldn't they? they absolutely, yes. yes. And go to a good opticians that you're confident in and they, they will look after you. Tony, you, you, are you, have you worn glasses all your life? No, no, only till the uh, 40. Right. And I found everything was getting a bit blurred when I was reading. But I, actually, I, to be honest with you... You've been wearing them for the last 60 years, then? Uh, 80 years. <laughs> At least 80 years. I, yeah, no, no I, st- I started wearing them when I was 40, and that was... No, it was 100 years ago, actually. Yes. You're filling in for Nick Coffer. Do, you know do you know what you're doing t- on today's show yet? Have you been told? Oh, uh, we're, we're talking about somebody who goes on railway lines and looks at things on the journey and then writes about them. I think I'm busy between 12 and 3, but Tony Blackburn, lovely to see you. Thank you so much. He's on, uh, filling in for Nick. Christine, lo- thank you so much for coming in. It's very nice. You've been a, a, a cracking sport. Uh, that's Christine Mester, who works with Alders Opticians in Harpenden and has been practising for the last 10 years. I was totally, totally stitched up on that. I cannot believe a medical professional... What's the, what's the body I need to write to, Christine, to make an official complaint about you? I don't know. Oh, so, so naughty. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still got the flooding in Pottersbury, the A5 because of a burst water main between Blackwell End and the Puxley turn-off. The M1 southbound looking slow from back up at Northampton, Junction 15 toward Newport Pagnell and the services. And a little bit busy as well as you continue from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at Redbourne. Down to the M25 then, anti-clockwise, heavy traffic, Waltham Abbey to Potters Bar into and through the roadworks section with a 50 mile an hour restriction. It's slow as well from Chorleywood to the M40 and it's definitely busy on the clockwise side into the roadworks. There are delays as you go from Junction 20 at London Coney toward 23 at the A1M. Speed sensors picking up delays from Amersham towards Beaconsfield. It's looking slow both ways along the A355, particularly northbound at the moment near to the junction with Magpie Lane. Trains and tubes still running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. The studio has been invaded by cheats. Never prosper, Dealey. You will never prosper. Yes, I will. Naughty, naughty. I was stitched up like a kipper. Thank you very much, Christine. Thank you, everyone. JVS up next. I'm back tomorrow at six. Until then, ta-ta. 
on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And on this morning's big phone-in at nine, is it time we stopped expecting councils 